Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. You are now listening to the Save Cast, the number one old school RuneScape podcast featuring guests from all across Gellinor. To support this podcast, visit the Patreon link in the description. All right, welcome to the Sebe Cast, number 130 with Roydy. Roydy, how we doing once again? Good, good. Big 130, eh? Yeah, I know. Your last your last cast was what? What was it like in the 50s? I want to say. Really? How many yeah. people have been on twice? Uh, there's been quite a few. I would say maybe like seven or eight or not. I don't know. Uh-huh. I'm not sure, but I've actually had three people on three times. So who were those people? That was a cold one, whale, and I guess I can consider BC Guppy. He's just a player. He's not a content creator, but mm-hmm. he he was technically on three times. But one of his episodes was just a day apart. So oh, cool. Yeah. But yeah, you are among the uh, second appearance guests. So neat. Yeah, I, I wanted to get you on once again because, I mean, obviously I got you on the first time and that was a pleasure, but then I listened to the Based After Dark uh, cast with you on it and I was just like, man, there there is so much more to you than like the surface level RuneScape stuff. So I the, thought... The two casts are on two pretty different ends of the spectrum and I can appeal to both. So I like yeah. to get on both for different reasons. <laughs> So it is earlier in the day. Are you sipping some uh, some wine or anything, or is this a completely sober cast? I'm not. I have a beer. I can't go crazy because I will have to drive later. But yeah, yeah. I was a little bit upset that it wasn't in the cards to do this later when that was a possibility. <laughs> but I have I have like about a tablespoon of lemonade left. Okay, well that, that that's cool. I mean, I I don't even drink, so it might be like strange for you to just be completely plastered, and I'm just here. But uh, it's it's hard for me to get to that point, even though I had a full bottle on the on the based after dark <laughs> podcast. You handle I wasn't it even well. That bad by the end of that. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I I just have one question, just simply because I was like I was just like scanning through base after dark because uh, first of all I just loved that episode. That was probably the best base after dark episode I ever I ever watched, just because it was just so interesting, and I feel like unless you're uh, 
I don't know. Would, would you say this is the, this is the first question I'll ask? Do you, would you say that your Twitch audience knows who you are as a person? I would say no, but that's partly by design. I mm-hmm. think I think I touched that on that in the first podcast we had together. Where like I like to keep the two separate to a bit of a higher degree than a lot of streamers tend to. So for that reason, it's not out of any sort of malice or like me keeping things from people. It's just yeah. like you know two different worlds. Yeah. Do you, is is that has that ever caused any problems or like anything or just even like emotional just wanting to talk about things but feeling like you can't? No, I wouldn't say so. If I if I got something to say, even if I try to keep the two worlds exclusive, if I have something to say, I'll say it in mm. one form or the other. It's just that like might not seem super high context for viewers who aren't well tuned into that sort of thing. But mm. in any case, I'm not I'm not shy about sharing personal stuff. I just don't think that. Uh, I am of the opinion that it is a negative thing when a content creator is like too open with their entire life because then they start to feel like they have to be. Yeah, yeah, that that, that definitely happens. People like get the expectation that they're going to hear about every goddamn thing you do every day. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of tough, honestly. Like when, when you do become very involved in a community and you want to be transparent about things, it's like, you do have to draw lines of like, what do I not share? What do I share? What do I not share? I'm like, I'm going through that with myself. I mean, I haven't streamed in a few weeks at this point, but I don't feel like it's appropriate to just share my entire life exactly what's going on just to like, yeah. yeah. So interesting. Um, one of the things that I think we talked about on the first cast was a lot about fitness. And um, then after you know having seen your own just transformation into just becoming more lean and just not really caring as much about the whole um just getting big and stuff uh i I remember Mm -hmm. on based after dark it was basically you you were just saying like you finally could see through like what bodybuilding kind of was for you and just getting over being defined by like how you look as a person. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask like what made what made you come to that clarity, I guess. Oh, I would say like any community that I become entrenched in based off my personal interests in life, no matter what era of my life it was in and no matter what the interest is, I become so entrenched in it that I learn the ins and the outs and the peoples and what they're like and I act like the people and I know all of these things. And given enough time, I will start to like see all of the negatives to it and even start to resent it in a way. And I guess bodybuilding was no different in that sense in that like it became more and more of a thing that I would view through a superficial lens just due to a lot of the personalities in that industry. And I was like, I'm not like these people. So I would say there was a degree of distancing for that reason. And also just with aging and just becoming more comfortable with oneself means that less of my self-confidence hinged on that sort of thing. So I was more successfully able to part with that being a major aspect of my life. What caused that? Like what, what made you like just realize there's like, you don't care anymore. Like, I feel like that's so hard for most people to actually not have, you know, maybe the, that crutch of like, this is how I feel I don't know, more like myself is like through bodybuilding or whatever. Like how, how do you just get away from that illusion or what was the, what was the journey for you? Or was it just like one moment you're just like, Oh, I don't need to do this. 
No, it certainly wasn't an aha moment. Like throughout the entirety of my lifting, I would always take like, usually it ended up being like during the winter time, usually just by coincidence, not because of any one factor that I would just always like fall off for a month or two and then get right back into it for another 10, 11 months. And then I'd mm. fall off for a month or two and just like be very normal and get a little bit fat and then undo it all the next cycle. But <laughs> it just, uh, there was no aha moment. It was just one of those things. I was probably in the game long enough yeah. metaphorical game to where I had now led a longer period of my life in that like somewhat awe-inspiring form than I did in my previous fat kid form that I was trying so hard to get away from. Yeah. That, it just, that like became my new norm. And as such, I was not as apprehensive to kind of meet myself in the middle between those two worlds. It's so interesting because we like in social media and like just the society we live in now it's like you all again this is not for everyone a lot of people can see through it but for so many people especially young people they see like success and happiness all come from having a literal chiseled body especially for guys mm -hmm. so you obviously like got jacked and like you said, like obviously that becomes your new norm, but did you ever have those highs that people honestly like fantasize about where it's like, I now look the best I'll ever look. Am I actually happier? Like did No, absolutely the fuck <laughs> not. No, like 0%. And I would venture to say that basically nobody does because A, you learn after a, a relatively short period of time that if you get into like trying to make yourself some sort of way to like attract a woman or something, you learn very quickly that like the fall off point for that is like six months. And then after that, it's just dudes, just exclusively dudes <laughs> after that. You're getting no farther as far as making yourself attractive in like a dating capacity. Yeah. And oftentimes it's a turnoff that somebody is so wrapped up in some certain thing because that's time they're not spending with you as a partner. So you kind of want to stay away from them. Mm. It's like, it's serving a negative purpose of what a lot of people want. And B, unless you really like are entrenched in that community, you cannot, even if somebody is like a really physically good, not like facially, <laughs> structurally good looking people like the layman, they don't really understand. Like I remember before I knew anything about bodybuilding, I could look at a lineup of bodybuilders and I would just be like, they all look the same to me. They all look grotesque and terrible. <laughs> like you just can't tell like one feature from another. Yeah. And that's the reality of how it is to 99.99% of people. And it's you just get true. so lost in the sauce because you're in this community for so long and all of the media that you absorb pertains to this community. So you just get this really warped lens. And it was really only in retrospect of my time being the size that I was that I realized that it was like never a question that I would be the biggest guy in the room. I always was, but still at the time, like in the moment, it never really felt that way. It's only in retrospect. I'll look back at an old picture of me from like six years ago and just be like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that is so unfortunate that humans work that way. Like you literally have achieved it and you can't even, you, you don't even know you've achieved it. In fact, you're probably looking at yourself more negative than you did earlier. Oh, as far as like physical self-confidence, I'm not like happy with the way I look right now. It's not like I'm ever going to not care about the way that I physically look and strive to be better. But yeah. like 
as far as like the comfort that I feel in my own form. It, it is higher now than it ever was back then, despite doing basically nothing for myself. Damn. So is so so what is it all? Is it just a is it just a matter of balance? Is it just a matter of like not getting too sucked into any certain I don't know, practice or just group of people or ideology? I think so. I don't think it's ever healthy to be so one-dimensional. And a lot of people that do bodybuilding become very very one-dimensional. And being that it was that was like my personal field of interest and it was also my degree that was like my life revolved around this sort of stuff to where it was always in my mind it's what i researched in my free time it's what i researched in my academic time and just like if somebody would bring up a conversation with me about gym stuff it's like i don't want to talk about this i spend my entire life thinking and talking about this stuff i want to spend the rest of my time thinking and talking about other things i'm interested in and even today, like people will come into my chat or they'll see my screen name and be like, hey, bro, you want to talk about the gym? I'm like, no, I absolutely fucking don't want to talk about the gym. <laughs> I want to talk about RuneScape. Uh, so you also mentioned something about like you, you know, having somewhat having developed an eating disorder. Does that just happen mm -hmm. when you get into just really pushing the limits of your body and really like trying to just chisel every portion of it like is that inevitable or does that just happen to certain certain people certainly not to everybody but i would say that at least what i would define as some sort of eating disorder would probably happen to the majority of people who become uh very very interested in their diet and the way that they look for me it was exacerbated by the fact that i very very quickly went from one lifestyle to another one like i went from being fat my entire life, you know, putting down a bag of lime Tostitos in one sitting and stuff like that <laughs> to like immediately, you know, chicken breast and rice and lifting every day and stuff like that. Yeah. And being that my system was kind of still used to such a large calorie input in changing the foods, I was never really getting there and my body just was not used to what I was doing to it. And there just made this chasm of appetite that was just insatiable for like probably the better part of a decade, I just had this really unhealthy relationship with food to where, like, no matter how good I was at dieting for X amount of time, I would always inevitably fall back into some sort of binge behavior and undo a lot of the efforts that I'd mm. undergone in the last couple of months. <sighs> like, I never developed a healthy relationship with food. I was very... Um, and today, like if I were to do a bodybuilding diet, I would approach it very differently than I big, than I did back then. But a lot of people, a lot of people, when they first get into dieting, it is like that super rigid, pseudo tasteless food. And like you might be able to kick it with that for a year or two when you're super, super addicted to it. But after a while, unless you're just like a real one percenter professional personality type, it's going to wear on you. So what would you recommend, like if you if you could do it all over, like if you had never body built and but you have all the knowledge you have now and you wanted to get into it or somebody that's getting into it, what would you suggest? I would just stress that anything that you do, you have to consider that it's going to take a very long time and you feel like it's somehow going to be sped up by you being so squeaky clean with everything you do. But that is just not the case, because as long as you're being mostly true to what you want to do consistency is the number one variable 
I always, I, I probably said this same quote in the first episode, but I always say that I would much rather see somebody be like halfway optimal a hundred percent of the time versus one hundred percent perfect optimal half of the time. Yeah, because one is just going to be leaps and leaps and bounds ahead of the other one. So with that in mind, that anything you try to do is going to take a pretty long time. You can kind of just settle the fuck down a little bit and live your life knowing that you are trending in the right direction. Yeah, that's definitely the way to look at it. <clears throat> um, so I guess uh, a shift of topics. Um, you've been really on the grind with streaming and you've been extremely consistent. Uh, and also like, you know, Farmers V2 is up. So mm. let me just ask, like, do you enjoy streaming more now or at any other point in your stream? Like, I guess, like, when was the most enjoyable time of streaming? I would say the group stuff. Like, in the grand scheme, the group stuff is probably what I enjoy the most. Not just because of, like, the metrics, just due to the nature of how it is, like, getting to getting to actually play the MMO in a multiplayer capacity and do it with your friends and also just coincidentally reap such success from doing so, for which I'm very thankful. It's just... It's hard to compare anything else you do on stream individually to that other than just like the acute high moments of what might happen from an account to a different account. That's cool. And, and yeah, like your guys' team is just wholesome as hell as well. Like I, everybody knows who the farmers are. It's you guys are all very consistent. You all look like you're having a great time and it's just like the perfect little group. And it's, it's really good for the community as well to see like, content creators that you could actually you know see as as cringe as this might sound to some people role models <laughs> i don't know if runescape mm -hmm. streamers exactly like role models but at least you can just not feel like oh man these people are toxic as hell but i still enjoy it. it's like you can just enjoy them for who they are as well so yeah i would say like the four of us and there are many content creators who are this way but the four of us we have roughly similar personalities, similar mindsets. We're similar people, and we approach our streams from like a "this is my job, and I'm going to do it no matter what, and I'm not going to be flaky" sort of perspective, which a lot of people can appreciate, and it works very well when we do it together. Yeah. Whereas a lot of streamers do have the like, "Okay, I have gotten extra subs this month, so I'm going to go on vacation 75 times and just." <laughs> like stream twice a month and when i come back i'll get even more subs and blah, blah 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 yeah okay so do you think you'll ever get on the hardcore iron man grind again like a like a solo account hardcore iron man i don't know when everybody asks whenever anybody asks i'm always like i, I just don't know i don't know what future me is going to do and I, I can't speak for future me because i don't know what i'm going to want at that time that's why I was so careful not to be playing my hardcore when I first started feeling that way because the last thing I'd want is to play an account out of expectations that other people have for me, even if it's not something I enjoy, and then like have that account die and then have to move on anyway and not have an account to come back to that is very good for when maybe I would want to play it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I don't know, the hardcore Iron Man, like the whole... I'm glad that that kind of phase is over with. I think I probably talked about it. I feel like this has been a common theme that I talk about when I talk to people that have played Hardcore Iron Man as um, streamers 
is just I'm glad that that phase is over with. Like people have just realized, like yes, you can still play a hardcore Iron Man, but it's not like the meta. Like you don't, yeah, you don't have to feel this absolute burning desire to do this because everyone wants to watch it. So yeah, and it's it cannot unfortunately it cannot be said that it is not still the most desirable thing to watch. Like if if Bodhi was on a new hardcore tomorrow. It'd be six, seven thousand viewers every day for the next two months. Like it's undoubtedly, true. everybody wants it's to true. see that. But that's not to say you can't still find some success and shift the norm by abstaining from that behavior. Because from a content creator's standpoint, it is the most stressful thing to do to feel like any degree of your success hinges on something that oftentimes is very outside of your own control. Yeah. They've come out obviously with uh, well. Let me ask you, what do you what are your thoughts on the new teleport crystals that can get you out of sticky situations and get you out of DCs potentially? I think the escape crystals are wonderful, and I'm very happy with even the tweaks they've done to it from inception. Like when it first came out, it was pretty useless, but <laughs> now it's actually quite good, and it could still be better by like changing it to a uh, like a server pinging system. But I just imagine that is a very complex thing for the from their for them to do on their end but mm. with what we have right now it is definitely a game changer the farmers v2 would have died like a month ago if not for that escape crystal damn that's cool so wait how many how many lives do you guys have left we have two out of five left we were at five out of five like less than a month ago so it's oh. been something of a cascade of <laughs> lives being lost and they've all been technically off stream because oh. one was one was fully off stream, the other one was also fully off stream, and then Mammal's third one was a disconnection, hence off stream. Damn it! Uh, what are you guys' plans for after all five lives are lost? Well, probably much the same as last time. You know, go our separate ways, do things, experience what has come into the game since we were focused on these accounts in the early and mid game, and like get back to our own mains and the end game content that they can do. And then eventually, and also temporary game modes, Dead Man League, stuff like that. And then probably eventually run it back into V3 when there's enough new stuff to justify, like, forging a different route as a group and getting mm. back to it. Would you guys potentially wait for Sailing to come out if it, if it passes? Uh, I don't know. Like, it all hinges on when the group that we're in right now does eventually uh, come to an end. Because it could be in a week or it could be in six months. Do you want to see any new game modes? I know, like, obviously the last ones were just group Iron Man focused stuff. Do, do you think there even is a chance that we get a new game mode? Like, an, account like a permanent, type, you mean? Yeah, yeah, like a permanent game mode. Like account type, yeah. I don't know. It's not like there's anything that the community has really been clamoring for, like they were with group Iron Man for years and years and years. So it's hard to just say in advance of them pitching any sort of ideas what a new account type might be. If I had to guess, I would say it's probably likely that in some time in the future, if it's like four or five years from now, there will be some different account type. God knows what it would look like, but it could be difficult to conceptualize of these sort of things before people start talking about it. Mm -hmm. I want to see, well, I don't know. I, I, It's not like it matters that much. We already have so many account types, but I've always thought it would be cool to get like a some sort of main man mode that's like hardcore potentially so you, it's just it's literally just hardcore main mode and when you mm -hmm. die you just become a normal main again so yeah. you get to enjoy all those perks I, i'm surprised they haven't already done that it seems like the most simple thing to come out with 
Um, I yeah, don't, I mean, you yeah. can only split the community in so many ways before <laughs> before it just gets a little bit silly. And then you could say that maybe in the future we'll just reach the height of customize, customizability, where you'll just be able to make any account type you want and like set your restrictions at the beginning to be XYZ and blah, 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 and just have these super complex accounts. I would actually love it. Like, I, I wish, who knows, maybe in the future, RuneLite will get a little bit more um freedom to do certain things that actually interact with the game like obviously with jagex's permission like them them coming together and just realizing like what if you could make a hardcore chunk based whatever Mm -hmm. the hell else ultimate iron man tile man mode like combine them all and it's just something but you can actually just do it official not necessarily officially but like have it under jagex um yeah except for sure because you you see with like with tile man and with the uh, one inventory slot accounts and chunk men, like the rune light can literally prohibit you from doing things. So mm-hmm. like we're almost there. It's just the matter of being like fully recognized in an official capacity. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Well, so let me ask, what do you enjoy most? Um, I guess like early, mid, or late game. Like, what do you enjoy grinding most? At least like on stream and stuff. Well, I've always been a big early game guy just because I love the rate of progression is what everybody says, but being able to optimize the early game because the rate of progression is so high, like everything you structure a little bit more optimally pays huge dividends in the early game because of that progression rate. Like if I were to do something slightly more optimally in the end game, I wouldn't even notice, but... To do something slightly more optimally in the early game, after a couple of days, your account might be like twice as good as the next guys. Yeah, we, yeah, you guys. I mean, you and Foe, I always think of like yeah, you guys. Him and I specifically nuts. get off on that type of thing. <laughs> you guys are nuts. That's why we work that. so well in battle royale together. We were cooking for like a month prior to <laughs> it coming out. That's cool that you enjoy that too. Like, if you enjoy it and you're good at it, and you just have a ton of game knowledge, like that's that's definitely like a, a combination for success. To, to paint a picture, Foe and I's BR strat for this recent one that Eviscape put on. And you'll appreciate it when I say it, but the first 25 minutes of that route that we forged and planned out, upon implementing the first 25 minutes in the actual mode, there were zero hangups. We did not, like, nothing was unaccounted for. Everything <laughs> went exactly the way that we wrote for it to be. And it is hard to make a 25-minute plan that goes that way. God, that is so that's awesome solo missions and he's not a twitch streamer anymore but he him is a youtuber like he's definitely got that early game knowledge yeah. and uh, you know just all those like thing is though, and stuff <laughs> foe and i with all of our planning we like psychoanalyzed people we scouted people and what they were doing <laughs> in the practice server we knew a lot of people, including Solar Mission. We knew their route better than they knew it themselves. Oh wow! We we were like map hacking, and that we knew what everybody was doing while we were doing our stuff. That's awesome. So that I mean, I will admit, like that is definitely like one of the best parts about RuneScape is like unsolved strategies and being able to like actually play with them like in a competitive manner. That's just got to mm-hmm. be the most fun thing about this game. And early game. One of the coolest aspects of any video game at the highest level is suboptimal behavior to subvert expectations of other professionals, therefore gaining an advantage. (laughs) I think that is the coolest thing. Would you give an example in old school of how that could be implemented? 
in old school, I mean, you can't really say that there's like a main game example of that, but in a situation like BR, then it does come into play. Mm. <laughs> but if you look at like a strategy game like StarCraft, that's like that's a big part of professional play. Okay, so are you a DMM player? Do you enjoy that? Uh, I played the first Dead Man in like the first two or three seasons. Since then, I've played like once. It's it's not really my bag, but I'll be playing this next one for sure. Okay, so in your perfect world, what would you want Dead Man to be? Like, it, have you ever played it and realized, man, I just don't like it because of this? It Dead Man always just peters out after like a week or two when everybody just gets that early account rush and. <laughs> They get killed for the first time or they realize that just all of the deck is stacked against them because they're not in a clan, so they just quit the mode. I think I don't think there is any way to get Dead Man perfect to where a majority of people are going to enjoy playing it. You just got to accept it for what it is. Yeah. And as a content creator, it is something of an expectation that you're going to be playing it. And I do, I enjoy PvP, specifically Tribrid, No Honor, PKing, which is like the foundation of what Dead Man is, outside the Relic system at least. So if I can get into that mode, it's fun. But at the same time, that is also disincentivized in Dead Man if you're not in a clan or you're not swapping. Because, like, why would I pause my progression towards the tournament final by going and PKing and experiencing the PvP element of this mode if there carries with that some chance of me losing some amount of that progression by dying and losing my shit? Yeah, that's true. I think the best way is like just don't even have a prize pool. Like just even though like you still yeah. want to win, it's like yeah. I, I feel like most people don't even play because there's any money online. They just want to have fun. Just want to mess around and oh yeah, see how far they can get. But yeah, you are right. It is kind of weird. Like what what it, the whole concept is PK each other, but like you at you're just so incentivized not to PK just to last longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my. Uh... For years now, I have dreamed up something of a hybrid mode. Well, I, I guess you could call it like a triple hybrid mode between Dead Man, Leagues, and then also technically Group Iron Man. Because I would like to see a mode that comes out that I have termed Faction Wars for the last couple of years. I don't know if I talked about this in the past. but I don't think so. It would basically be like a League system in that you get points for doing shit, and it's like, fundamentally, it is leagues, but you could introduce PvP elements, and the the cornerstone of the mode is that at the beginning, every person and every account they make is automatically sorted into one of, like, three, maybe four, maybe five factions that have a team point pool, meaning that your contributions in leagues not only go to your own account and the rewards from the leagues but they also go to the larger pool of the team that you've been sorted into, giving more of like that tribal element and a willingness to go past where you otherwise might want to go to aid your team. And the memes that would come out of something like this, because anytime you you do like a faction-based thing, one team always becomes the meme team, like in Fall Guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you get sorted into like the Serodoman faction, and for whatever goddamn reason, that's just the meme team for the for the mode. <laughs> And it just everybody shits on the Serodominus. I don't know. I just see a lot of potential for something like that. That would see, like in theory, that always sounds so much fun. Now, to be fair, they haven't actually like really tried that, so it could be good. The I feel like I've seen arguments that say like you basically just keep remaking accounts until you get on the team you want. 
And so and then, yeah, if it takes five times, that's five memberships. So Jagex is like, hey, go ahead, make all the accounts you want to be with your clan. <laughs> but at the grand true. scheme, the fact that there's such a large pool of players, even if you get 100 people on the same team, team purposefully, that might not spell any sort of difference whatsoever. Because well, there's thousands of people per team. Yeah, the, I, I guess the worry is just simply like you start making accounts. They all go to the opposing team that you don't want to be on. And then that artificially inflates that team to have numbers that aren't even going to be logged in. So it's like hard to know like how to balance that right. Just because you could literally I think, just... I think it'd be a big enough sample size to where everything would correct for itself mm. upon implementation. Yeah, so if they if they had some sort of system to like prevent the abuse from that happening, that would be such a fun game mode. Like, and it could even be like GTA San Andreas, where you have like gang territories and like Team Zami somehow lays claim to Mauritania. Maybe they get like buffed purple rates in Tob, and they get more XP in the Slayer Tower. Things like that. There's there's a million possibilities. In that system, do you like die and lose all your stuff and then people just quit? Or like how did how how would that work? No, I think it would ultimately be leagues based and like pretty tame in that sense. It would just mm. there would just always be this lingering competition, which would just incentivize people to play more and play for a longer period of time. That would be so much fun, honestly. Because there does come a point with every league now, usually at around the three or four week mark, where you get so into late game leagues that it's like okay why am i not just doing this on my main like this is what i'm doing on my main right now why am i here on leagues um okay so just recently you got very very lucky at cg there's actually a topic here on twitter uh from levi how does one obtain four enhanced crystal weapon seeds <laughs> you go super fucking dry the first time and then you are owed one for some period of time it took until actually the i think upon the second weapon seed that i got in this group iron man that put me at about average drop rate maybe like a little bit spooned mm. it wasn't until the third and the fourth where it started to tip the scales into <laughs> me being lucky in a lifetime since <laughs> and now you can't go back right because now like you're gonna go on this huge dry streak you don't want to deal with that right i've been where i am like i think i'm like 500 casey i've had five armor in my name so like as Ooh. lucky as i am with the enhanced we, we are struggling in the armor department um what do you, what would you say your most spoon piece of content is like throughout the game like where like you play an account and you always get lucky somewhere Ooh, i feel like i have never had a very hard time at grardor specifically like i'm always out of there by like three or four hundred casey mm. Except for the one time when I didn't pick up my tacits and had to do another 500. But <laughs> that is so <laughs> Essentially, brutal. I've been lucky every time I go there. Dude, speaking of that, did you see Ignoble Solid's clip where he got a Nile horn at Nex and died like from the little explosion at the end of Nex and he didn't end up picking it up? Oh, I did not see that. It's there, tragic. There's also no way to go back and reclaim it, like even if you were super fast because it's technically in like an instanced area in a sense. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, oh my gosh, that's just brutal. <laughs> it's so brutal. It's kind of crappy, but it's, it's funny in retrospect. Oh yeah, it's funny to everyone else too. Everyone's having a good time. And as long as you stream it, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. At least you get yeah. memed for it. Yeah, Yeah, I've heard, I've heard some real horror stories of just people like actually like quitting the game because something that tragic happens. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> that are not built. For the Whenever game. that sort of stuff happens to like an Ultimate Iron Man, though, they'll take oh. like a week off, and then they'll come back a week later, like reinvigorated more than they ever have been. It's like, oh boy, a chance to do it all again. Dude, I do not understand how people would. Would you be willing to play a UIM? No, absolutely not. That just sounds and so plus, miserable. I'm kind of a purist in the sense that, like, a lot of the OG Ultimate Iron Man are very upset with what Ultimate Iron Man is as a game mode nowadays, where it's mm. just like scuff the regular Iron Man, where you just get it to is, keep basically yeah. everything and use your house for everything. Yeah. They really lost the heart of what the game mode originally was supposed to be. Yeah. I think hardcore UIM would actually solve those issues. Like, just don't have any sort of death storage because you can't die to re- keep hardcore just get, just get rid of the looting bag in general because i think you can still use a looting bag even if you are hardcore you can just break it or destroy it and all your mm-hmm. stuff comes out if they were just to have an, a mode where literally you can't use looting bag can't die i would even say go as far as don't even have a house like you you literally physically can't own mm-hmm. a house like just boom there's your hardcore there's for all the masochists oh, yeah. out there that that first generation of ultimates were crazy, man. They're like, all right, I'm going to transition to these content or this piece of content. So these pigations I have gone, don't need them. So they just get rid of their pigations and stuff yeah, like that. I know, just it's, things they decided will not benefit their next grinds are just gone. It's crazy. I, you know what, you know who doesn't get enough credit is, um, uh, Lowlander, the the first UIM to max. I, yeah people don't really I mean, talk for, about there it. are reasons why well <laughs> that's true there, I've, credit, but. I've definitely heard of like the boosting and stuff and like but and i've even heard rumors like account sharing mm-hmm. i i don't know you know obviously like what happened or, or not i do know he boosted but like nowadays if you boost nobody gives a fuck so yeah, I, don't, I don't really care that much it's kind of sad that that has become something of a norm but i still. know it's like it's so funny. So I'll listen back to really old, um, really old RuneScape podcasts on YouTube where, like, dude, the discussion. Obviously, I'm listening to people that are like higher level and cared more about the game then. So it's not like just getting a sample size of everybody. But man, people really cared about the integrity of the game back then compared to now. It's, it's yeah. just nobody has any integrity anymore. It doesn't matter. It, it feels like like people just literally don't care. And I. I continually see the argument on Reddit as well. It's like, dude, if you like, if you enjoy the game, like if, if somebody's enjoying the game, it doesn't matter how they're playing. Like, so if somebody wants to boost, if somebody wants to buy an Infernal Cape, it's not affecting you. So like, and it's like, oh, if somebody's cheating, if somebody's botting, it's not affecting. It's like, you can literally use that argument for anything and the game just goes to shit because. Oh yeah. I don't know. I worry. I worry about the, the game. The goalposts have changed where like five years ago, to be the very best Iron Man was a difficult thing to do. But nowadays, they're like a, a real showstopper Iron Man is a dime a dozen. So the things that people care about have also changed in the way that it affects those types of characters. That's true. Yeah. I, yeah, it's tough. What What do you think about the whole boosting thing? Like people are just, people are able to and legally able to, like it's not against the game rules to just get you know ca's boosted or any sort of thing as long as there's obviously it's still against the rules to have people log into your account mm-hmm. but in a, every- in a competitive sense i think that's the only restriction is you can't account share if you are in any way competing for like any sort of rank or high score position 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think or as far as getting just playing on one account, I'm pretty sure you can share. I mean, you can't like they they're not going to enforce anything. But in regards to like boosting an infernal cape, the the whole line is so gray to be honest because you see yeah. people just using max infernal cape accounts to PK on as their full time account basically, but they just don't say it's their account. But it's like uh-huh. what what is the yeah? I don't know. It's it's tough. And it's like. It's like, okay, I can't pay somebody to play my account remotely for an Infernal, but, like, what if my cousin knows how to do Inferno and we live <laughs> in the same house? Like, where do you draw the line? I but know. for me, it does, it is a to-each-their-own type of thing. Like, I would never do something like Shaman alting or Demonic alting or, like, Raid 1 plus 27 or whatever the fuck it is. I've never even, I've never even watched those types of raids, but... <laughs> If you have an account and you want to do that on an account, by all means, I would not. I think a lot of the concern that people like you or I have in that type of thing is that we know as real appreciators of the game who have played for thousands and thousands of hours is that the destination is not what this game is about. And if you go about it that way, you are kind of depriving yourself of a more fun experience, whether you know that to be true or not. That's true. That's true. No, that that's a good way to look at it. And it's like I still have that part of me that wants, you know, achievements to overall across the board be something that we as a community can decide is like, okay, this is a really cool achievement. Like Blood Torva, for example. Yeah. When when people are able to just get it freely because you account shared or, you know, whatever. It, again, it's like what you said. It's like they're robbing themselves, really. Like you're robbing yourself of the experience, the fun, the progression, but it also, in a sense, kind of robs the community of having something be considered an achievement. I don't know. It's it's a tough line. And we are all getting older. And, like, I feel like just with age and just experience, you just stop caring as much. You're like, whatever. But I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to draw that line because it, you can go as far as to say, well, what's what's the problem with somebody botting? You know, it's not affecting you, but imagine the whole entire high score is just filled with people mm-hmm. that have cheated everything. It's like you get to a point where what? I don't know. It's like the, I don't know. It, it, it gets rid of that fun for even the player that wants to just play and have a competitive scene. Yeah. At the end of the day, you really just got to compare you to you. Because as as we've seen come out in some viral conversations of late, there really is nothing that the developers can do to bring the game up to so high of a bar that the best of the best will struggle to leap over that bar. It's always going to be easy for the cream of the crop. There's just nothing you could do with this game that will not be that way. And even things like Grandmaster Combat Achievements... For a lot of people out there, to do all of those tasks is a joke. Like, they're very easy, especially yeah. with modern gear standards. Even what are considered to be the harder Grandmaster achievements for the people who are that are the respective best at those individual pieces of content, the thresholds for success as defined by that diary are trivial. Yeah, there's been a lot of discussion on this topic of, like, pushing the boundaries of difficulty with pieces of content. I know no monkeys obviously been like the main guy that people are talking about, like the controversy and stuff. Um, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on the whole, like pushing the difficulty limits of this game? And do you think, I, I, yeah. 
Go on, go on. I was just going to say as well, like, I don't know how much you've done the Desert Treasure 2, if at all, because you've been playing Farmers. Um, None, because my internet was very much on the fritz for the release of DT2 for the first couple of days. So mm. aside from having done the quest, I have not touched the content. Yeah, I like I haven't even touched Awaken stuff, and I've barely even touched the normal variants of the bosses. But like, yeah, I mean, it it seems as though you know people were able to get Blood Torvo day one, which is fine, and uh, mm. I, it looks like the hardest boss though is Leviathan Awakened because you literally have to like one tick prayers and move and just it's it's a yeah it's a shit show (laughs) i think for years now we have had to make our own hyper niche challenges to really appease those uh really high-end pvmers but then you see some people out there making their own challenges and like you recognize that many aspects of this game like inferno or even fight caves in this example do have a a theoretically unreachable skill limit. It's just that to be anywhere even close to that skill limit is entirely unnecessary to do the content, even in like a sensational sort of way. You look at a guy like Port Cazard, who's done the Grandmaster Fight Cave speed time, which is, in my opinion, significantly harder than the Inferno Grandmaster speed time, without losing any prayer points while also off task, (laughs) just because he wanted to. And like th- that, that to me is approaching the skill ceiling of what is possible in this game. <laughs> that dude is so crazy at this game. And he doesn't even really care about the clout either. Like he could be just popping off if he cared to share like all of his achievements and, you know, created yeah. insane videos of it. Like he, he just, he, he likes to share his achievement, but like that's the extent of it. Like he just does it because he's a f- freak of nature with this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, there are people complaining about the lack of things to do and endgame experiences to have that have not come even close to the types of things that like he has attempted to and succeeded in doing, if that's what you really care about. Yeah. You can make this game as hard as you want for yourself. It's just like it's it's not necessary to do that. You're right. Dude, that would actually be crazy. Imagine imagine that was like um I don't know, one of the Grandmaster achievements. Like, d- do all three of those. Be off task, get the time, and don't lose a prayer point. Like, people would yeah. be like, what are you smoking, Jagex? Like, this is just <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, that's so crazy how... Yeah, it, it really goes to show, though, like, how crazy some players have gotten at this game. A decade ago, people sucked. There, oh, there, yeah. Yeah, there, there was no reason to get good either, though. Like, I'm sure everybody, myself included, when I was like 10, I thought I knew this game inside and out. <laughs> we didn't know <laughs> shit back in 2005 or whatever. We're getting to the point where we have figured out a lot of things, especially because people can go into the code. People can make plugins. People have just solved so many things. And, you know, in regards to that, like, just kind of going back to your, you know, enjoyment of early game and... and I, I will even equate this to clue scrolls. Like clue scrolls are very hard to solve because there's so many salute like there are just so many different variables in clue scrolls. And obviously there's no real incentive to like speed run clue scrolls, but you know, if that was a thing, like oh, that would be awesome just because it's just one of those things where you, you feel like there's always gonna be slight optimizations you can make. Yeah. Which keep the fun. That's the beauty is in the simplicity of the game 
because in that simplicity, it can also have tremendous complexity. I mm-hmm. think a recent example of the account that I'm on right now, I was doing the Knight's Wave training grounds of all things. And, you know, the way you usually do it on like a mid-game iron when you get to completing King's Ransom and you do the Knight's Wave training ground is you go there with like a dragon battle axe or whatever and you'll hide behind the dummy and then you'll flinch the critters down. Yep. I call them critters because I'm so in such a CG mindset. I always call them critters in CG. But you kill the knights who canonically are English. That's why they look so weird. Um, you kill the knights. But I just accidentally pathed in such a way that I then realized after doing it two or three times and then marked the tile that if I were to, based on the spawn tile of the knights in the training ground, if I were to stand on a certain tile... And then after they spawned, wait like one or two game ticks it was, and then red click the knight, I would run to them in such a way that I would melee them, thus causing a flinch, and then I could do like another two steps behind the dummy, therefore not even taking an initial hit from the knight. So like theoretically 10 HP would be possible. Mm -hmm. And I remember Jacobs was in my chat at the time. And when I figured that out, he just said, like, isn't this game beautiful? And I'm like, you know what? It is. <laughs> just something so simple as that. Just figuring out how to not take any hits in the Night's Wave training ground. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You can just boil things down to deeper and deeper elements if you try to. Yeah. No, for sure. And that's what, like the beauty of old content as well. Like, you can just figure out things that are completely busted or just little hidden mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you watch Rendy's videos at all. He he just goes crazy he was trying to get um he was trying to glitch the fremenic trials quest in order to get like an extra strength bonus with like the berserker <laughs> helmet and i love randy's stuff but a lot of the time i'll click on a video of his and i'll see like a 52 minute long duration of <laughs> yeah. it. sorry but i'm not watching this it's definitely not for everybody if, but if i want to you got to tune in a hundred percent because he'll, he'll lay to. the foundation and the rest of the video will hinge on what he laid out originally. Yep. So if you can't pay attention for the first 10 minutes, you may as well not even watch. It. Literally. No, but the way he storytells, like, I'm glad he goes through. He, he like, on that video in particular, like, the first 40 minutes was just a bunch of footage and him explaining all of his failures. Like, all the things he tried that didn't end up being successful. Mm. And then he shows the path that was, you know, ended up glitching the quest and getting the thing he wanted. I just, I love how he storytells. And you're right. You have to be there for the full thing or else it's just, you know, pointless. Yeah, but. that's that's the type of content that really shines on YouTube. But if you actually think about the process the person undergoes to reach that final product, it's like, oh, man. It's ridiculous. Disgusting. Yeah. So I've probably mentioned this. I think I even asked on Base After Dark in the Twitter uh, thread. Do you still have no desire to make a YouTube? Or what, where are you at with that? I know I keep asking. No, still not really. <laughs> You're not the only person to have asked, obviously. It's a, it's a fairly frequent question. But I am still of the same opinion that if, if I don't have anything specifically to bring to the platform, just being there for the sake of it is not going to do anything. If the, if the best I could put up is like a pseudo highlight channel that's going to be monetized <laughs> to the extent of like $15 a month, like I'm not going <laughs> to, not even going to bother. If I were to do any sort of YouTube, I'm not much of a half-asser of things I care about. So I would care tremendously to make things that I was, would be very proud of and that would be very time consuming. Mm. And I could just spend that time doing what I already do. That's true. 
I think I think Coxie is actually a great example of like having not done any YouTube and then just coming out with an absolute banger of a series. His, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he also just, just realized like I am going to take a risk. I'm going to hire some editors, make this the best sort of series I can possibly make. And yeah, it's phenomenal. It's, it's crazy. But he, he also works his ass off. Like I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm surprised with how much Coxie puts into, you know, his quote unquote career, like in streaming and YouTube. He, he definitely does a lot. Oh yeah. And my abstaining from it does not necessarily mean it isn't something that's up my alley. Like all throughout school, I always loved doing like presentations and making keynotes and stuff like that. Like I really love making a final product that's going to impress. But that being said, getting back to what I said before is like if I'm going to have to do that at all, I want to give it 100%. And that's not something I'm willing to do. Mm. Okay. Um on the Twitter topics, I see Mathis. Uh, he's got a couple. Well, he's got a few questions, but some we've already answered. So, um, have you ever considered moving back to Maine? Oh, you never know. I still love Maine. It's it's always going to be my home and my favorite state. And there's a thousand reasons why I would want to be there, especially at some future time where like I'm looking to settle down in a more serious way it has a lot of benefits as a state for that reason like it is the um for the u.s in like the the top 50 crime statistics and all that maine is number 50 it is the safest place in the entire country to be wow and it's beautiful aesthetically it outside of like the slushy brown and gray winter time and just has so many things going for it but like it depends what you're looking for in your home in the area where you live because Maine might be very much for somebody, but it might also just be absolute ick for somebody else. There's not much to do. If you're not a self-starter, outdoorsy kind of person or like outside of Portland, which is our only really urban hub, which in and of itself is a little boring. It's really just a food city. There is not that much to do in that state. So if you are not content to just like exist in your house, which I am, then maybe not the place for you. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of particularly old cheap either. And there's a lot of old. It's people, actually right? the oldest state. <laughs> Demographically, it is the oldest population. Wow. That's probably that's probably why it's also the very lowest in crime and stuff. Just yeah, I mean, there's just a sense of camaraderie. I think I've always found it to be true of cold weather climates in general just like real northern hemisphere stuff there just seems to be a sense of camaraderie and humanity in the people who live in those areas because they are very frequently reminded that they ain't shit like when a big nor'easter snowstorm rolls in takes everybody's power out and nobody can commute it's like all right this is this is the bigger thing to worry about i'm not worried about yours and i's relationship here and everybody just kind of has that mindset always that is so true actually like just experiencing like things that are actually out of human control, yeah. I feel like it brings you close together. That's so. Yeah, that's probably very accurate. Um, I actually have some questions regarding that, but let me ask uh, Mathis's uh, second question. How did you meet your other in parentheses better half? <laughs> Uh, she actually works very close to where I live. We met a long time ago, and it's only really been dating in like a, a serious capacity for a few months. 
kind of a kind of a boring answer, but that's <laughs> that's the only detail to it. Okay. Um, there was a very long, just like us, just being people who knew each other and friendly sort of phase. If you don't mind me asking, what does she think about you being a, a full-time streamer? Oh, she. I think she said just the other day, like, if I knew how much you worked before we were a thing, nobody. Like, it <laughs> would, <laughs> would not have happened. I'm like, yeah. But then she's like, well, you do make money, though. <laughs> yep. Oh, that, it, isn't it, it... I feel like from an outside perspective... Especially like being in such close quarters. If there's someone who you care about so much who is home all the time but still can't pay attention to you, it's like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? Are you okay with that, by the way? Like, are, are you okay with, like, I guess I think more long term. Like, do you see yourself streaming throughout, like, for example, your 30s? And do you enjoy the time that? Even though you're at home, even though it seems like you have so much time on your hand, you are investing so much time each day into, you know, your your uh, your people online. I don't know. It's it's the type of thing that I would do for as long as I was so fortunate as to be allowed to do it in a lucrative sort of way. It's really what I've always wanted to do ever since I was like in my early teens playing games when when YouTube first became a thing and like making game videos became a thing it was like wow this is something that i would absolutely love to do and not in the way that a lot of people see it as like i want to play games for a living because that's not what it is anymore it's not it's not 2011 machinima era like if you're good at the game you make a six-figure salary type of thing it's like <laughs> if you are good at a game you might have like two viewers but you got to bring more to the table than that yeah it is a career at the end of the day and a very stressful one due to the variability in the metrics that you might have the fact that you're hinging your entire livelihood on these things and other people's generosity and see people's butts being in their chairs and getting that ad revenue and all that sort of stuff mm -hmm. and, and the competition also, the competition but runescape is different in that like everybody kind of brings each other up and like overall interest in the game benefits everybody in a That's sort true. of way and we are we're known for that as a community our, our stream community especially is a very very warm place to stream by and large and it's very accepting but i was I, what other point was i about to make uh i probably lost it we could just, we could just move That's on I'll, I'll remember it <laughs> okay no it, it was it was my bad and that i'm very forgetful when i enter a, a train of thought hmm. um okay sir jaken asks how did your unique way of speaking develop i love it yeah, I don't know what that one is really supposed to mean. Like, he, he thinks that I don't know what he thinks that your my... he thinks that your deep voice was something that you had to you had to uh, develop rather than just being born with it or going through puberty. I don't, I don't know if he means that or just like the the style of my oh, speech yeah, or whatnot. That could be it as well. Like me and my brothers all have similarly deep voices. My dad is a deep voice that I would even call probably a little bit deeper than my own, or at least he's had a longer time to practice with it. Mm. But um, as far as like the way that I talk, I have said, I don't know if it was on your podcast or the base podcast, the, the level of importance that I place on speech and how imperfect of a form of communication that is. And that I think it's so, so important being that it is an imperfect form of communicating one's own thoughts that you get it just as good as you can to try to bridge that gap. 
So do you practice like, do, so what I've heard, at least in regards to language, cause I'm a terrible speaker. Like even, even after doing 130 podcasts, it just, I can't get my thoughts to go out, but I've heard repeatedly that the way you start speaking more clearly and more precisely is by writing. Um, just, I, I can say that I have never done that, but I, I did excel in reading and writing in my, mm. uh, academic times. Like I, I feel like they got rid of the reading SAT, but I, I know I had over 700 on that when Jesus. I took that. And like, that's without, I, I think I got that when I wasn't trying, I think I retook the SAT cause I was trying to bring my math score up. And I just like accidentally got like a seven thirty or something on reading without even really trying to. I've heard, okay, so let me ask you this. There are people that read and they sound out the voices in their head. But then there's some people that read without even reading it in their internal monologue. Like they'll just re like they'll just know what the meaning of the words are without having to like imitate the words in their head. And so they mm -hmm. end up being able to read much, much faster. I, one is capable of both. Technically, you can train yourself to read in that like more amorphous way for speed. That's what speed reading is. Like people who read, like getting back to the SATs, the teachers who are commissioned to read the essay portions for the writing part of the SAT, they have to read so many goddamn essays in a day that they just train themselves to like right through or like people who have to uh, test read books for like publishing companies just right through the book in like just a couple of hours my one of my english teachers in high school was that way and she explained it all but personally i am always the type to try to read a text in the way that i think it's supposed to be like acted out or whatever mm. so that it makes the most sense in my own head and as such i'm a little bit slow at reading for that reason yeah that's how i read as well i just I, it almost makes me feel like I'm going to be better at speaking by reading in my head and like reading it as I would present it to like a public audience. Mm. But yeah, that's interesting. That would be really cool it, though to be able to speak. In terms it. of like rehearsed thought and speech though, I am the absolute opposite of that. When I'm, when I'm going to start a sentence or some long train of thought, I'll have like a rough idea of where I want to get but I will just word soup my way there and just like hope for the best. I'll just start talking and just like one word at a time as fast as I can structure the whole thought together. A lot of the times it does not work out, but most of the time it does, <laughs> which is a little bit weird to explain, but that's just, that's my own personal process of operation. Do you ever like study vocab in adulthood? No, I've I've definitely not studied any vocabulary in adulthood, aside from like, you'll encounter a word here or there. You're like, I've never seen that word in my life. And you go look it up and mm -hmm. maybe it earns a spot in your uh, vocabulary. But aside from that, no. And I'm not a big reader either. I've definitely become a lot bigger of a reader. Not a reader, but an audiobook listener. Oh, yeah. Like this summer in particular, I've I think I've listened to like... Mm, nine or ten odd like full-on like 16-hour audiobooks just because I, I did that uh, later in high school summer assigned readings i remember distinctly i uh digested 1984 george orwell's 1984 as an audiobook and every session where i would listen to 1984 i would go on a very scenic walk by my house mm. so like i would do the two in tandem so after like half a dozen to a dozen sessions of doing that not only had i done my entire assigned reading by way of audiobook 
but like I'd also gone on a nice pleasant walk at the same time. I was like, hey, this ain't half bad. Speaking of 1984, do you think that 1984 is inevitable in a way, like the, the structure of government? I think so. I think for a human mind in writing to imagine such a world just intrinsically implies that it is part of the human condition for these things to manifest in reality. So I think it is partly unavoidable that certain parts of that story do come to pass or are already a thing or have been things in the past. But that's kind of just like a just like a perfect stew of all these different elements cooked into one dystopian society. It's so interesting because like I like I, I just think of the contrast between like 1984 and like a brave new world and just thinking like what like what is actually like what do we want to become as a society in the future? Like is there even an optimal structure of government or structure of human just structure of society or anything like have you ever thought about this like what what is really optimal honestly is what we have right now it's just like liberal freedom or is there something more well i think the answer to that is the same as the answer to just about everything as it relates to humanity is you do the best you can and try to do a little bit better than you've done in the past and then eventually you might get somewhere you want to be and i think that is what we have done as a society for the last x thousand years when we've been in this sort of like civilization pattern god although that's not to speak of how long that pattern has been a thing i mean there's a billion theories about just how long we've been doing what we do now in various parts of the world and maybe some erasures of certain societies at certain times that we have no trace of is it science that makes uh our quality of life better is that like the ultimate thing? Like just like actual rationality? Or does, is that in a sense, does rationality actually make our lives worse? Like quality of life worse? I don't know. For all the amenities we have now, I think a lot of people would sure as hell say that they would prefer what their life might have been 30, 40, 100, 200 years ago. I think that there's... I am optimistic for a society of hyperabundance in the future, which is contingent on advancement, both in terms of technology and science and population to where, like, you have the opposing viewpoint that we're, like, overpopulated and we need to cool things down and we need to use the resources that we have to get where we want to be. But I prescribe more to the other theory that, like, why don't we just figure out how to get more resources and have more of us and more minds working on the issue. Like, if you could have every single person in this planet highly educated and able to pursue whatever they want scientifically or just in their own time or spiritually or creatively without having to worry about lesser things due to the hyperabundant nature of a society we might live in, just think of all the new ideas and things we'd be cooking up on such a frequent basis if we had, like, a hundred times the pool of minds working on things. Yeah, I actually, I I agree with you on that. I think the problem is, is like at least how I see it is like there's people that are advocating for like a slowing down in the technological department, like just slow down everything, bring it to a halt in a way because we're going faster than you know we can keep up and we're gonna run into trouble. But it's like where, where what what is that arbitrary point of slowing down? Like you can't just slow down capitalism. Like you can't just slow down like. <laughs> the engines of 
you know, production. It's just, it's so tough. But honestly, like as we've seen over the past, just even like 200 years, like we always find a new energy source. And apparently like according to studies, like we've, we've literally, we literally have more energy than we've ever had. And we produce like so much more than we ever have either. But we, we have more as well. Like the more you create, the more you have to create as well, which who knows if that'll end. Like, obviously, if we don't start exploring the galaxy, there is a finite amount on Earth. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to start exploring space and stuff. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, people have for a long time been defining theoretical societies with the main variable being their uh, their ability to harness and utilize energy. I think even even in the short term, the next 50 to 100 years, that's going to be the... That's going to be our thing where we look back in time and we're like, oh, my God, think of all these things that we were just wasting all the energy unused, untapped into. Like we were not fully capturing the sun as it hits our planet. Like we weren't using this wind. Why? Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's not to be like a, a renewable energy advocate. That's that wasn't like a political statement. It's just like, <laughs> there's a million ways to cut the cake. And it's we're funny doing very few of them to, right now. Yeah, it's funny how you have to mention that. But yeah, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on AI, by the way? Especially with like the rapid, rapid uh, expansion of it, I guess. And now it's like in our modern day, like it's it's in our phones now and everything. Mm-hmm. I think it can be a tool like anything else, and I do think that a lot of the uh, a lot of the fear mongering and stuff is unfounded because I do still think. Well, it's not even a matter of thinking. It's I do still know that. AI as it is right now is still very, very early stage and it can give the illusion of being more sophisticated than it actually is when in reality it's still very much only doing what it is programmed to do. Like it's just it's just basically like a big librarian at this point. It just takes from all the data that we have and it spews out what it thinks is the right thing to say and that may or may not be the right thing to say. And it's all just like, it's all like found materials, basically. Nothing new is being created necessarily. Yeah, we'll see because, yeah, I don't, I don't think like AI or anything has any sort of, I guess, consciousness. I, I don't, I don't even know what consciousness is, but like, just to think yes. like it's, yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, technically there's no way to prove that anybody else besides yourself has consciousness. You just, yeah. it's so when AI gets to a point where it can fully deceive or just be exactly what a human being would be, where it literally has empathy and all of this stuff. And it doesn't matter whether it has consciousness or not. It's whether you believe it has consciousness or not. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so here's like a fascinating point of view is like, so I don't know what like, exactly the technological singularity will be like where ai just advances so much that it starts making ai and that ai starts making ai and it's just this huge exponential boom where like life Mm -hmm. as we know it is just not the same but um if if technology progressed to a point where you could become like immortal or at least a mortal where like technically you could still like get hit by a truck and die but at least disease wise and everything you'll live forever yeah is that like something we want like is that something you would want to live forever like is that is that something humans want or do we crave technically like deep down to have an end 
I don't know, for like I'm a big sci-fi guy, so like all the episodes of all the different sci-fi shows like Star Trek and Stargate, they they all touch on <laughs> they all have plot lines similar to like what we're talking about right now. Like when you reach a society that's so advanced that like death just isn't really a thing, there would probably just be new talks of like, okay, when should we die? Let's <laughs> let's pick a time and let's all just decide that when we reach that age, we're just going to expire. Oh, that is so weird. That's so weird but to think about it so specifically too. Like, it's easier to argue for uh, everybody just kind of subsiding indefinitely if we were a much bigger society like over more planets yeah but if everybody just keeps like piling up in the same space that's probably no good interesting are we in a simulation do you think i have to ask yeah that's gets into the territory of non-falsifiable hypotheses <laughs> and i don't like to waste brain space on those that's probably for the best uh i know because it really doesn't matter if we are or not it would yeah. you can't like prove at the, it anyway. at the end of the day yeah at the end of the day, you just got to wake up and do your thing tomorrow. It's so, like, why bother? Mr. Mammal asks, when will you wear wigs? That one I don't get, because that's, like, not in <laughs> reference to anything. That's, that's not, like, an internal joke or anything. So I don't know what he means by that. Like, I know some streamers, like, female streamers, usually go through an era where they get super into wigs. I don't know if that's what he's referring to, because I certainly never will. By the way, you maybe have, he should start. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you do have very thick hair. At least, uh, at least it appears. I'm jealous. Yeah, it's not as thick as it used to be, honestly. Yeah, well, that happens to all of us. But at least you do have a full set of hair. My hair is just slowly getting thinner and thinner and thinner. I'm like, God damn it! And then it's funny when it starts happening, and then you actually pay it close attention to what your relatives look like, like your uncles on each side. And you're like, uh -huh. oh, they're all bald <laughs> like uh, it's gonna happen to me okay yeah i got i have no fully bald people to whom I'm, to whom i'm like related by blood but i mean there was there was like some thinness on my my grandpa's side okay yeah apparently like 30 percent of men by the age of 30 will be balding 40 percent by 40 and 50 percent by 50 so the Half half of men are going to be good by 50, technically. I'm just not one of those lucky yeah. few. And who knows? Maybe by then we'll be so advanced as to uh, have that be a thing of the past. The thing is, like, I've actually heard that. Um, I, they're like, I mean, this is always, obviously, like, they're, they're always looking into research on things like this. But, like, yeah, they they are going to be able to basically, like, replicate your hairs on your head and like just make it so like yeah hair loss is literally just not a thing anymore in the next like eight to ten years apparently we'll see see if that happens i could see it it'll come out like uh be one of those things that very few get that's super expensive and then in another 10 years it'll be commonplace and then mm -hmm. 10 years after that it'll just be standard yep dude so you know how like i don't know i, I don't know really the year when cell phones be, just started becoming really popular i always just think like 2007 because of the iphone but yeah. like, what are your what are your thoughts on like the Vision Pro? Do you know what that is? The Apple like headset, like VR stuff. Yeah, like where you're literally just like completely in this, your cyber world. Like I, Some I, Ready I, I get player one type stuff. Yeah, I get scared for that, man. I don't know. I think it'd be cool if it's 
if it's implemented in an innocent sort of way, <laughs> not like the type of thing where you just get locked into it and can't get out. And it's the only place you crave being and you just no longer care for See, that, regular happenings in the outside world. That's the real problem is it's not like it's forcing you to do anything, but you become so addicted because you realize this is so much better than reality. Yeah, there's a movie called, I think, Surrogates with Bruce Willis that's about that. Like everybody gets like a hot young artificial body that they just like get to exist in remotely and just nobody wants to not be in that body because why wouldn't you? Yeah. It's weird, though, because then you start questioning, like, why does it matter if I'm in my, quote unquote, real body? And is it even my real body? Like, at what point do you even identify with, like, is my fingernail my body? I just clipped it off. Like, at what point is your body your yeah. body? It's, like, very interesting. Who yeah. Knows? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. Um, Vori... This is going to be a weird one again. Vori asks, which motor oil has the best flavor profile? It's been a while since I've had some. But, uh, <laughs> let's see. Let me just look up uh, motor oil brands. <laughs> it's got to be Penn's oil, right? <laughs> it's got to be it. Best flavor profile. You can taste every single... Some people wonder why, like, uh, I'll, I'll clearly look at my chat during the stream and just read something somebody has to say and then not read it out loud. It's like, some things just aren't aren't worth touching on. That is, like, honestly, the that is what makes me the most uncomfortable as a streamer. Is just when you're wanting to just enjoy the game or just enjoy a moment of just clarity and then you just have, like, a, a, like a question or something that's just... You just know is not the vibe. Yeah. And and then there's no other questions coming. So you just have this one question that's like staring you in the face and everyone's just kinda like waiting for you to either ignore it or ask it. And it's like it's just, I it's it. less and less the case the more people are uh, are chatting at any one time. You can yeah. just pick and choose and then if you don't have that luxury, just focus on the game for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> that is commentate a, what you're doing in game. That is a nice luxury. You know, having more people, more just, just more is being said. It's nice. Yes. Um, Whale asks, how does it feel to watch a man's life leave his eyes? Like, as with the motor oil, it's been a while, but <laughs> it's something I do try to forget. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Joran asks, what is the piece of content that really pushed you to up your skill level? And is there any content that you feel like you can't do at the moment? Ooh, I would say it would be probably between low-level Theater of Blood and Inferno. Specifically the, uh, like the bad weaponry low-level Infernos that I've done. Those were the real, like, okay, you have to master this content or else it's not happening. Mm-hmm. And when I use the word master, I, I don't mean that like it's like a top one percent, but I mean master to the degree of it being possible. Yeah, not being chanced. But yeah, I was uh, I was one of the first to popularize going to TOB on like a level ninety something character, just like just high enough to survive, like a green ball and stuff like that. HP in like the high seventies, low eighties and stuff, mm -hmm. and just. See if you can snake out of there with a couple purples by the time you really want to get your account going. Mm -hmm. 
That's the way to do there it. Was, Cloud was the first one to have done that, not because he was trying to accomplish the same thing as me, but just because he was running out of things that challenged him in game. So he's like, all right, let me just go here on like a level 60 and watch soccer while I do it. <laughs> and then the Inferno, Inferno challenges everybody and it makes everybody better, but specifically the MSB, RCB, like 70 something defense Inferno that I tried to do that took me so long. That is what made me much, much better at Inferno and the game as a whole as well. Yeah, that's pretty much everyone can say that after Inferno. Just it it's also a confidence booster. It makes you feel like, oh, oh yeah, I, for I sure. can do this, so I can why not be able to do anything? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, as far as what I think I couldn't do, I don't know. I don't I don't think other than making my own unique challenges, I don't think there's anything official that I couldn't do. Like could I be like a sub fifty Inferno speedrunner? I don't know. I haven't tried, but maybe not. But as far as like combat achievements and any boss in game, I undoubtedly can do any of that. Yeah. Everything in this game, yeah, like you said, officially, it seems to be. Well, I don't know. For me, I, there are some things technically officially, like a, a, a 600 TOA. Fuck that. Like, I could probably do it, but it would take like, you know, a month or two. And yeah. it's just not what I want to do. It's just like, holy shit, absolutely not. But yeah, officially just completing, you know, an expert TOA. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Sybin asks, what are some activities you enjoy outside of streaming and video games? Hmm. I don't know. Especially like the last year or so I felt very strapped for free time. Like I don't even get over, I get around to a lot of the stuff that I would like to do. Like I don't lift as much as I should. I don't eat the way that I should. I don't get to enjoy other games or videos as much as I would want to, because my days like wake up and feed the animals and like eat and get ready for the stream and then do the stream. And then after the stream, like I'm a little bit tired and I have some other chores to do need to see about food again. And then I sleep and then I do it again. So I feel like you reach a certain point of busyness where you can't just, you can't really indulge in as much of what you want to do anymore. And as such, I don't really have any like big secondary or tertiary aspects to my life right now outside of just existing, being a person, which can sound a little bit of, sound a little bit like a hollow existence, but as long as you're enjoying it, I don't think it's a problem. Yeah. And there's different phases in life too. It's not like this is the rest of your life. It's not like anything, like any point in life is the rest of your life. So yeah, I feel like having different phases where you, you can enjoy a grind and just what you're doing in the moment. I think that's good. But yeah, when you have a full-time occupation and responsibilities, you kind of move past a part of your life that a lot of people, especially in the community, are still very much in, in their late teens and early 20s, where you can kind of just like pick a thing or two that you're into and dedicate your whole being to that. Like you don't, you kind of lose that luxury at a certain point. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask this. Like if, if money weren't an object for you, like how would you want to spend your time? Like if you truly probably could still pretty whatever. similar to the way I do it now, honestly, like I, I wouldn't be well, out that's good, vacationing all the time and buying opulent things. I'd probably still want to stream, honestly, maybe not as much, but. 
that's i mean that's beautiful like that's beautifully put like just the fact that you can actually honestly say that and i think that's exactly where you want to be in life then i've always had very simple desires so as long as i can meet or at least lightly exceed those i'm pretty happy why do you think that is like why do you think you have more simple desires than other people it's just the way you're raised I guess partly that, partly just being realistic of what's possible in mine or anybody's life. Because some people just always are, they just have their heads so in the clouds that they're imagining a reality for themselves that is not ever going to be true. So at a certain point, you do have to be a little bit grounded in what's possible, what you have, and appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, that seems to be like, what? what is, what? who was that? Who was it that said, like some ancient philosopher that was like, suffering comes from wanting basically like you you wanting like the ultimate source of suffering is wanting stuff and so when yeah you i don't know That's can't get never it never really like, something i've struggled with though like even when i was a kid i would never like it was the questions of like what do you want for your birthday it's like i don't know i'm, I'm happy yeah. <laughs> i got the game i play i got my computer i got food <laughs> that's cool well let me ask you this if there wasn't such thing as runescape what do you think you'd be doing Oh, who knows? As far as, like, with my career, I doubt I'd be streaming anything else because, like, I'm very much attached to the RuneScape category in the streaming career that I have. So I probably would be doing something in a... Uh, in a... My degree being kinesiology, exercise science, probably something in that capacity, like working with professional athletes or something. Okay. That would be my most desired thing to do outside of what I do right now. Okay, Sid asks pre-stream ritual. I I always love this question actually because everyone seems to have their little ritual, whether it be like looking at the camera, getting that perfect angle or whatever for a little bit, <laughs> or like you know getting your drinks ready. So what's yours? Yeah, I mean I'll just I'll get like a having already had my coffee for the day or whatever. I will like get a bottle of water. I will get all of my software where it needs to be for the stream ahead. I'll pull up. X number of playlists that I would want to have on that day based on my mood or based on what I haven't played in a while and just am feeling that day. Oh, like get my headphones on and make sure my hair doesn't look stupid and then just start. There's no, <laughs> there's no big like fancy ritual or anything. I'll just do the bare necessities of what has to be done. That's good. Yeah, I. It's weird because everyone has their own ritual, and I realize like at least probably by year two of streaming. I had like a ritual where I seriously would be sat down and I still wouldn't go live for like eight minutes. Like it just, yeah. it always felt like, okay, everything needs to be perfect. I'm like triple checking things. I'm like, what am I doing? Just, just start going live. I'm wasting so much time just sitting here thinking about it. So. Part of it is it definitely does feel like a commitment because if you're going to, if you're going to sit down and you know, you're going to be streaming for seven or eight hours, it's not like there's, there aren't really breaks for streamers. So like, as soon as you press this button, like you better have your affairs settled for the rest <laughs> of the day. True. You know what? I was actually talking about that on my last appearance on Base After Dark is like, why is it at least in the rune, at least in the RuneScape category? Because other streaming categories don't really have this. But why can't we make it more of a norm to take a ten minute or fifteen minute break in the minute or in the middle of a stream? Like, 
one of the worst parts, at least for me personally, and they agreed, was this sense of I want to stop streaming because I'm feeling uncomfortable right now. I need to release some gas. I need to just sit down and look at my phone for a few minutes. But as soon as you've actually ended your stream. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. You ended it early. It's like 15 minutes later, you just are like, okay, I'm I'm ready to stream again. I, like, I feel refreshed, yeah. but I've already ended the stream now. So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't really want to start it back up. And it seems, I don't know, I just, I feel like we could even, I don't know, I don't know how other creators feel, especially like the ones that, like you and Fo, like the people that truly, like you guys grind and it's just something you've become completely accustomed to. Like, I just wonder though how much better that would be for our own mental health to take like a 15 minute breather, come back and feel like fully that. refreshed. I also will feel remorse sometimes if I'll, I'll like end the stream and then I'll like peek back at the category like forty minutes later, and just fucking nobody's live. And I'm like, oh man, I should have ended. Like, my <laughs> people have no home right now. I just, I wish I was still alive. But then but, you have uh, that feeling of like, oh, I already ended for the day. So it's like, I yeah, it's weird. It's like you could just go live for a couple hours, but that doesn't feel right. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, I think most people learn pretty quickly in streaming. Like they they will take a food break or something, and they'll come back to. 60% of the audience having fucked off and most probably won't come back because now they're occupied with somebody else's stream. So you just kind of learn pretty quickly to be very brief when you have to get up and go. Yeah, it's true. I know. It's 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 a shame that that's the way it is. It's like subconsciously you're just thinking, no, it's over. Every minute that passes now, it's just more reason to fully end. Yeah, it, it used to stress me out big time anytime I'd have to go... Uh, even just like going to pee or getting up for two minutes. No, it doesn't bother me as much if I have to go like make a sandwich. I'll take my time. I won't hurry or anything. That's good. Come back, get back into it. That's good. That's good. Okay. Let's see. Bayless Mango asks, what is your favorite OSRS content to watch on YouTube and Twitch? Ooh, on Twitch... Oh, I don't know, because I don't even watch that many Twitch streams outside of my immediate group and things that are technically also pertaining to my own interests mm-hmm. because I'm part of the group. But if like if I had my choice, I like to see people doing like spectacular things, like when Wooks will go live once in a blue moon to do something nobody's ever done like that. That is a hype Twitch viewing experience for me. And on YouTube, I like... I just like when a video has a lot of thought put into it and it's something unique. Like uh, my favorite YouTube videos right now are Tor Vesta's High Risk Hardcore. The episodes, few and far between though they may be, have so many hours poured into each and every clip and every episode. And it's just, 
as somebody who plays the game, you can't help but appreciate it. Yeah, he he is a great YouTuber. He's actually like blossomed into just like obviously he was he's always been a giant of the category of OSRS YouTube, but like at that point, you can really just do whatever you want. Like you can just fuck around and you'll still get hella views, but he's actually putting in like more effort than ever before, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's... just it's a little bit sad that the YouTubers uh livelihood does hinge so much on ads, so a lot a lot of the people don't get to release as many videos as perhaps they would want to just because like why bother putting in the effort to a video that is not gonna perform at all in terms of making you money because then you won't have that video to put out at a time when perhaps that opportunity would be there for you to monetize it yeah now that's true i've i mean that seems to be a common thing with uh, like higher up youtubers like they it really it's funny how that works. Like initially when you start anything like Twitch or YouTube, like money's the last thing that's on your mind. It's like you're just doing it for fun. But then as soon as, you know, that becomes your full-time thing, like the, you need the money and yeah. it changes the game entirely. Unless you are A, Mr. Mammal or B, Bodie, then it's like, all right, new video every day, unmonetized, no sponsors, <laughs> enjoy. That's the way to do it. I love Bodie's videos because... He, they still just pop off. Everyone wants to watch a Bodhi YouTube video. Oh, yeah. It's and, just like a warm hug yeah, of a he, video. He can just do whatever he wants. It's the way to go about it. Um, Okay. Let's see. Oh, wait. There was one more question on that. What is your favorite episode of SpongeBob? Ooh. <laughs> I'm, I'm big on... Well, the first three seasons, which were uh, helmed by the showrunner Steven Hillenberg at the time, those like all three of those seasons were cooking. You, you can't just pick like one episode because that would be, it would feel like that would be despite like the other 60. <laughs> the episode where they swear though, it's kind of hard to top it. <laughs> See, I didn't, well, I didn't get to watch that much SpongeBob as a kid. So like, not like I didn't a lot get of people to it. Didn't. Didn't have a lot that. of people were, uh, a lot of people had SpongeBob withheld from them by their, uh, parents or other other things the funny thing is like we weren't even withheld by it we just didn't even have like that channel like we didn't have full cable we just had the basic stuff like simpsons malcolm in the middle yeah um that those are our main two shows actually that's what i watched every single day like every weekday after school mm -hmm. okay this is a really yeah, was... yeah go for it I said I was just definitely I was a Nickelodeon guy throughout my whole childhood. Okay. I was like ninety five percent Nick, like four percent Cartoon Network, one percent other. Yeah, that was most of my friends. I'd go to my friend's house and they had all of the all the stations, and I just wasn't used to that. Okay, this is a really good question. So I'm gonna I'm very curious your thoughts. Frank asks, "Who's more European, Foe or Mister Mammal, and who's more American, Denise or Curtis?" <laughs> Ooh, I would say Foe is 100% more European than <laughs> Mammal. is like comparison. your quintessential Midwest to US type of guy. Just not a European bone in his body. Not at all. But uh, Foe at very least has an appreciation for wine and, <laughs> and high culture. As far as Curtis or Denise... I would say Curtis just because he has spent a much longer period of his time associating with and like entrenched in a space that's crowded with Americans. 
like the the British influence on American streamers and vice versa is very real. Like it just makes this weird amalgamation of <laughs> hybrid culture and a lot of the streamers we have. It's totally true. Yeah, that's what I would have chosen. That's a good answer. Um, okay, this is a kind of random topic. Who's who's going to be the next president of the United States? <laughs> oh, see, I feel like the answer to that question isn't even the same as like who might technically deserve to, to be the president. Or <laughs> yeah, like who will be? Not, not based on nothing else. Just who do you think will be it? I don't know, man. It's just. <laughs> Any level-headed person can basically look at the crop and say, like, no thanks. And it's, it's not even, like, a bold statement to say that it's the not. majority of people would rather pass on every single option that we have. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's not great. Um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's interesting, interesting question. But, yeah, it no matter— It would just be great to find someone who is not beholden to— money or influence and kind of just cares to get in and do their thing and then, then move on just george washington style that would just be do nice. their time do the best they can yeah it'll never be that way again it's uh yeah i don't know man it's tough oh speaking of and i know i'm, I'm gonna just go back there briefly just to ai but like man that we're gonna hit a point where ai is so good at language like it already is really good, and technically, like the way we are influenced as society is like through language. So, like when AI becomes so good at convincing and using arguments and stuff, like who knows? Maybe we're gonna have an AI president. You imagine that? Just an algorithm. That's, that's our. But president. then that AI president just decides that like a certain state needs to be eradicated. Yeah. <laughs> carries out the order of its own free will. Holy Sorry, shit! Sorry, Mississippi. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, by the way, do you, uh, so I, I can't remember exactly if I heard you answer this on base after dark or anything. Um, are you, do you consider yourself a spiritual person? Ooh, I would say more so in my earlier twenties. Mm. Now, now I feel like my brain just doesn't really go to that space very often. I have the utmost appreciation for basically every religion in the world. And I find that a lot of people's, including my own spiritual spirituality is like a pretty circular Venn diagram when it comes to those two worlds. Like you kind of just all roads lead to Rome type of thing. But mm -hmm. I thought about it so much at one point in my life that like I've kind of already had all those thoughts. So I don't think them anymore, if that makes any sense. That's interesting. So what, what, what did you come to the conclusion of? Like, so let me ask, like, what, what do you think the meaning of life is? Getting back to what I said earlier, I think the meaning of life is just to live and just to do the best you can and try to seek out happiness where you can, but also be neighborly. And if you are somebody who has a family, try to do the best by your family or at least people related to you as you possibly can and whatnot. I don't think necessarily everybody has to strive for some kind of higher purpose. But that's not to say people should be unwilling to pursue a higher purpose necessarily or or broaden their horizons mm -hmm. I like but any that. anytime i have questions like this i always get very uh very unsatisfying like <laughs> gray area answers <laughs> i'm never really that like divisive when it comes to these types of things i think those are the satisfying answers though because there is no i mean first of all there will no there will be no satisfying answer 
but if yeah. you tried to make it more clear that ends up becoming less satisfying mm-hmm. um do you want to have kids i would say yes i probably for most of my adult life i've been of the opinion that i would like to have kids do you like worry about just having them grow up in uh in our current world a little bit but i mean by that same token you do feel a sense of responsibility that like the world in its future state is going to need some smart babies popping out so that's like <laughs> we better be mine yeah that's interesting i i always think this as well because like my whole worldview i feel like got shattered at like early 20s when i left my religion but it's like so family was always like having children was always in my head and i i still do want kids but i really do think of it more i don't know more like rationally now not just emotionally i just think like mm-hmm. why do i want kids i ask that question instead of just being like i want kids so it yeah i i definitely wouldn't want kids for the sake of kids i would want to be in a position where like i have a a pretty sizable savings that is like building on itself to where if I all of a sudden were to have to put all of my excess money into a kid, that would be okay. As opposed to that, just like crippling all of our lives. Yeah. For real. Um, who is the best farmer currently? (laughs) The best at what? Just the overall, overall best farmer. Oh, it's got to be Curtis, man. Curtis puts in the work. He, I think he's got all of us by like a hundred total level right now. He's just, he's just Curtis through and through, grinding all the time, just putting in the effort individually and for the team. I don't think anybody, any one of us would give a different answer other than that. <laughs> what a gamer! That dude's been going so hard for so many years, and he still has a smile on his face. <laughs> yep, I love it. Uh, I'm actually going to be talking to Curtis on Tuesday uh, on the same cast, so I'm excited for that one. Yeah, I I couldn't get you on twice without having at least asked Curtis beforehand. I started, yeah, shit. I've I've gotten the other farmers on. I haven't gotten that'd be good. I think think some people definitely want to know a lot about uh, Curtis's under the hood. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm really excited to talk to him. He's, I mean, he's one of like the pillars. Like when you think of old school streamers he's up there with Bodhi. Like you just think of Curtis. Like he's just yeah. been here since day one. It seems like it's crazy as well. I mean, he started streaming when he was like what? 17 or 18. That's ridiculous. Probably. Yeah. Cause he just turned uh, 28 the other day. Yeah. And he's been here for the, basically the whole length of the category. So yeah. I, uh, Compared to the other guys and the farmers, I am I'm like the new guy. I've been streaming over five years, but that's still just over half the time that the other three have been streaming. That's nuts to think that you're a new guy, you know, in relation to them. And you've been doing it for five years. Yeah. It was really just like uh I consider kind of like Will and myself to be part of like the second wave of forever streamers in the category the yeah. first wave they're all still here <laughs> but then the second wave <laughs> came along and so it's like not who, that many people stood the test of time yeah who who are the second generation forever forever streamers you will anybody else in that category oh i'm trying to think I uh, like especially the out. bigger like it's like who 
who I'm just trying to think like do you would you consider Oda block in that? I mean, obviously he's moved to kick, but is he in your or did he start streaming after you? I'd, I'd call him the next class. Okay, but obviously he's he was it's the most breakout there. of all of those. Interesting. Yeah, it's crazy how like you just think of well, it's funny because the lifetime ones seem to have already had an audience even before they started streaming. Well, some of them, I guess. I think of like Spark Mac and mm-hmm. Bodie and. I don't know. I guess I don't know. Maybe no, not not quite all of them because Foe started on Twitch. Curtis started on Twitch, right? You did. You could you could argue that there was like a kind of an in between time between the category coming out and people like Will and myself starting, where you had like Ice Poseidon pop up. Oh like yeah, a year or two afterwards and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. But I wouldn't say there were any like fixtures of the category who emerged during that time. Bro, those were so, I I remember watching. Ice Poseidon and Raj Patel. Raj Patel before we, he didn't even have like, you know, his show or anything. He just streamed RuneScape. Mm-hmm. Just go to house parties and stuff. That was crazy yeah, times. Just, just walked around entertaining. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's actually crazy to think. Just how I don't know. Good the good the good old days. Um but yeah, it's nice these days to see people who are like real Goliath streamers who either have or have developed a certain fondness for old school pop in every now and again and just like make a new account or stream a little bit Mm -hmm. that's cool i'm i'm glad we are i'm glad well personally and i'm pretty sure you could say the same just like being involved in the old school category because it is something special like it's absolutely yeah you don't see it with other games games die all the time old school kind of just is forever (laughs) yeah the, the joke is always that like things are just in this space going to look like roughly identical in like 60 years. <laughs> it's just know. old now. Oh my gosh. Farmers V20, things like that. Jesus Christ. Would you ever make a different group Iron Man or are farmers forever? Other than like a, uh, like a very short project with like a firm destination. I don't think so. Mm. I would never want like an indefinite group with anybody but these guys. Okay. Um, okay, I'm curious now. What are your thoughts on... I just briefly mentioned it earlier. What are your thoughts on sailing or a new skill in general? Do you think it's good for the game? I think so, if well implemented. I personally voted for sailing, but my reasoning behind voting for sailing was that I found it to be... In the way that it would manifest, I thought it was the potentially least game-breaking of the skills and that yeah. I thought the other two could just fundamentally change everything about the way that we approach the game. Whereas sailing would just be more like an expansion that can coexist and perhaps aid what we already have. Yeah, that's how I started seeing it. You're totally right. Even though they tried to make taming sound like it wouldn't be influential throughout the game, they it definitely would end up being. I never really got a firm picture of what they wanted taming to be in the first place. They didn't know what never, they did not know me. what they wanted it to be because they're trying to cater to two different people, like people that like pets and want them to have involvement throughout the game, and then those that absolutely hated summoning. And so, yeah, they're just going to keep them as little pocket pets that do nothing. Yeah, that pitch would forever be marred by the existence of summoning in RS3. I think it never never stood a chance from the beginning. It didn't, and. Uh, 
sham shamaneering whatever, whatever it is that one always reminded me of like uh to anybody listening who played guild wars that just kind of reminded me of like imbuing your armor with certain things and like you just be an absolute bozo not to do that and it would just become such an important part of the game and the way you play it that it would fundamentally change the game in a negative way i thought yeah no it would have things would have like almost everything would have become untradeable not everything but all the best stuff would have become untradeable just weird imbues end up like your basic uh, we already see this in today's game where you're trolling if you're not doing the efficient thing but like yeah. With this, it's like, oh, you're not using this imbue with this imbue with this ritual with this thing. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, I mean, the one positive element that I thought might emerge out of the shaman stuff is that it would give a little bit more content to ultra late game mains in that you would now have to own multiple variants of all expensive end game armor. So you'd have to grind out the money for that at very least. Like, that was the one redeeming That's quality true. in my head. That's true. Yeah, I mean, every... I don't know. I feel like almost any skill can work in a way, but you're right. I think sailing probably has got the best chance. I mean, obviously, that was the one that got the highest amount of votes, but, like, we'll just see. We'll, and we'll also see if in the future, the next few years, they even start contemplating, like, after sailing, uh, you know, comes out or doesn't come out, if they're going to start considering adding even more additional skills yeah they talked about that they said like picking this does not mean the other two will never rear their heads again it just means this is what we're going to focus on right now yeah and i am optimistic that the team that we have is going to approach that project with the utmost care and that we have a lot of developers who themselves are entrenched endgame players they understand the ramifications of things and they care very much about the success of a new skill if there's going to be one at all mm -hmm. and they are willing to like even with all the work done over the next six months to a year just be like all right we're pulling the plug this is not going to work yeah yeah we'll we'll have to see i'm excited for the game's future i think the team understands you know what the community wants for the most part and they're away. I'm glad Ruinous Powers got scrapped. I don't know what your thoughts were on that new oh, prayer yeah, book. Big time. That was scary. I don't know who the fuck was asking for another prayer book, but I'm certainly glad that we didn't get one. <laughs> that was scary, man. Like when it first hit the beta, it just looked so fucking foreign. I'm like, what is going on? This is dangerous. We're in dangerous territory. But yeah, I'm glad it got scrapped. I was very pessimistic that that was gonna be uh like the beginning of the end, but then seeing it get scrapped, I was relieved. Yeah. It may, it just gave, it gave, I feel like the community a little bit of comfort realizing that the team can make an executive decision like that. That's good for the game. Mm -hmm. That's nice. And when it gets right down to it, the team's always been good at that, especially as it relates to like MTX. We've should be thankful that we've always had upper management who was willing to uh, stave off the corporate overlords and like being like, all right, I know that, game monetization is the flavor of the month but that's not going to work for this game and i'm sorry but we can't let you do that <laughs> oh my god they jagex uh, has opened up a role for a new community manager and i'm just praying yeah, to that. god it's not just like a mobile games person that comes in oh, like man. has ex i have experience with games been in the mobile industry for 15 years like oh jesus christ <laughs> yeah coincidentally though the uh 
the highest paid gaming CEO by basically a like double the number two. Number two being uh, Bobby from Blizzard. The most highly paid to the tune of like almost $400 million a year is a mobile game CEO. Jesus Christ, $400 million a year. Yeah, a company you've never even heard of. They just make mobile games and those mobile games make shit tons of money. God, dude, it's such a fucking shame that that's kind of what happened with gaming. It's all because... It's it's because of mobile gaming in general. Like it just completely lowered the standard of what gaming should be, like across yeah. the board. It's so sad. Everything. I remember when I was yeah. big into Call of Duty in my teens. It kind of it kind of started around that era where like you'd get a Call of Duty, then you get next year's Call of Duty, and then the expectation was that you get next year's Call of Duty, and then look forward to three incremental expansion packs to that Call of Duty, which you would also have to buy. As mm-hmm. downloadable content, and that, that that just became the expectation. Like, all right, what are the maps going to be for this DLC and this DLC and this DLC? And everybody would buy them, and then it just became the industry standard. It's crazy, dude. I I just remember like going to the store as going to Walmart as a kid, and knowing when you buy a game. This was like early Wii days, like because my family got a Wii for Christmas. It's like right when right when the PS3 came out, Xbox 360, and the Wii. Okay, we got a Wii, of course. God damn it. I wish I had gotten like a PS3. But <laughs> that was back when you just buy a game. Just buy a game and you're good. And you just play the game, have fun with it. Yeah, it's not really like that anymore. It's just, it, it, I don't know. I, I guess part of it is just nostalgia for me. Just missing the good old days. It's, I miss the PlayStation 1 days. Like, yeah, for sure. We were, we were an Xbox household, mine. Oh, we really? got the original Xbox, the Christmas that it first came out alongside Halo because it came bundled with that and all that. Holy we had Xbox 360. Also had a GameCube and had a Wii, but I barely used the Wii. Yeah. The Wii was fu- the Wii was fun because we didn't have any other consoles. So like Wii Sports was always fun. We would have friends come over all the time. We played Wii Sports, played Guitar Hero, play like Mario Party stuff, which and it, what's just funny because like those games i even back then i saw them as more like baby games like i wanted to play like shooters and stuff uh-huh. but at, at the end of the day i actually i think deep down enjoyed them more because they were more party focused and like family focused just have fun with your friends there i think like if that was like the only console i had experience with or if i was in a household that could uh utilize the Wii properly it would have been great but like it just wasn't really the right match for the way that I played games yeah that's true were you a computer gamer yeah my whole life we always had uh, our computer and we actually had two computers and because my dad was always into PCs too so like we grew up with decent internet and computers and all that and my brother would make a new computer every three or four years oh shit did you ever play like Roller Coaster Tycoon or Age of Empires? Like, what what were your games that you played? Oh yeah, in the early two thousands, I played Roller Coaster Tycoon, played the original Starcraft, played the original Counter Strike, all of that stuff. Original <laughs> Counter Strike, holy! Yeah, I played original Counter Strike when I was just a little kid. <laughs> holy shit! Did you play Age of Empires? I was, at all? Never played Age of Empires. Did play Age of Mythology though. Okay, but I was. Uh, I was playing games both on N64 and PC since I was like two. Like literally, as soon as a human has the dexterity to play games, I was playing games. (laughs) 
That's awesome. Yeah, I had a neighbor. I'd go over to my neighbor's house to play his Xbox, and he had a Nintendo 64. At my place, we had a PS1, and we got, we got the we got the slim PS1 and with a screen attachment to it. So, like, Ooh. it was so badass for its time. Like, we, we'd even go on road trips, and if we really wanted to, it was effort, but we would bring the PlayStation 1 with us, and in the back seat, all you had to do was just plug it in, and you have the screen attached to it. Yeah. It was insane. Like, I just thought that was the most insane thing ever. You could just play this in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now you can play games anywhere you are at any time. Literally. Yeah, I remember even thinking about, like, RuneScape. I remember thinking, like, man, it would be cool to be able to, like, you know, play RuneScape on the go, sort of. Like, even as a kid, I, I never even could fathom it being on... Uh, like a small device because i just had like these crappy samsung mp3 players that there's just no screen room for anything but Mm -hmm. just the idea of being able to play runescape wherever sounded amazing so well people didn't even know that you could have multiple browser tabs back in the day so like if you were playing runescape that was you had one monitor it was occupied entirely by the uh (laughs) by the runescape client oh my god there's dude my mom told me like when she was a kid, she would daydream in school of being able to have a little device, a, a mini television that she could watch underneath her desk and just thinking that, like, just how magical that would be. And it's just fucking yeah. insane to think that we all have that and we just completely take it for granted. Like, we just yeah, literally in, have... In an academic environment now, teachers just curse the existence of such things. <laughs> it's got to suck being a, being a teacher these days. Oh, it definitely does. It's just crazy, though. We we literally have the entire, like, human knowledge in the palm of our hands at all times, and we just don't even think it's that big of a deal. So, let, well, here, I'm going to ask this question, then I, I'm going to attach one to it. So, Fat Mad Joker sure. asks, what has been the biggest positive, f- what has been the biggest positive focusing more on collection log? And I'm going to expand on this. First of all, do you even focus on uh, on collection logging on like farmers and also like what are your thoughts on collection log basically really incentivizing the play styles of i it almost feels like the majority of players nowadays at least high level i think it has been an absolute win for the game and i think it has breathed a certain life back into main accounts that for a long time people thought was lacking and they felt like they're uh their accomplishments on a main were not cemented in any sort of way. Therefore, they did not want to strive for those accomplishments. Because on my main, the way I'm playing it right now, I wouldn't say that I am... My main went untouched for so long that just, like, bringing it back up to the standard of a modern account is, like, still an ongoing process. I think I logged back into it, and it just had, like... It just had the kind of slots that you have just as a function of, like, playing the game, like the the slots that you the game will recognize you as having if it's like it's in your bank or something like a torso or whatnot i had i think like 76 collection log slots and now my main has like 400 something but i haven't been trying to make that number go up per se i've kind of just been doing what i want to do and the number goes up as a function of that if i wanted to like batten down and get the collection log as high as i could i could probably get another three or four hundred slots inside of a month but i'm kind of just like a lot of what i do have is some real high quality shit right now and i kind of want to approach it in that sort of way 
And to me, that's part of what has lessened my desire to return to any sort of Iron Man is that I I said even before we started Farmers V1 that when that series wrapped up, I was going to play my main and I was going to do exactly what I have been doing for the last X amount of time that I've been on it and like re-experience the game as a main and breach into the end game in a way that I never did on Iron Man just because I would never have a hardcore that would live that long. And in doing collection log stuff, getting that collection log pop up on a main, even if it's like, even if you didn't earn all of your kit so as to do that boss and then get the collection log slot, the satisfaction of getting the collection log slot to me is every bit the same as doing it on, a, on an Iron Man. So like a lot of people will write off the main game style having not experienced it since like 2014 and I think they're doing themselves a disservice in that. It's, I mean, okay, so a few things. Collection logs definitely made Main Man feel more like Iron Man. It almost feels like nowadays you can't, it's hard to even play RuneScape as we used to just even like eight or nine years ago, like as a main. Like it, it felt like you could really make your own path in RuneScape and not have any real pressure to do anything else. This is before Maxcape. This is before, like, th there was really even a big PVM scene at all. It just seemed like you mm -hmm. just played because you wanted to do a certain thing, whether that be get a 99 or whatnot. Nowadays, yeah. it really feels like you're kind of, at least under the illusion that you, like, you need to play as an Iron Man in a sense, where it's like, get as many things as possible and, like... Mm -hmm experience the game which i just I, think people like seeing some sort of um uh, some sort of like tangible evidence that they have played the game and accomplished things in their time and i'm the same because like i had so many hardcores that would just the moment i died they would get washed away and like it's as if i never played them at all other than people who viewed that content but like a main if you get a pet that's one of your collection of pets forever that's not some fleeting thing that's exciting right now but in six months you're not even going to be on the account yeah. Well, let me ask you this, because one of the problems we see with collection log is this idea that it needs to be completed and that everything needs to be. It's not everyone thinks this way, obviously, but it seems to be like, especially with like Jar of Darkness, which, first of all, had its own issues. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But the entire reason it got buffed into where it is now, one in 200, I, I believe is just simply because people wanted it as a collection log slot. Where, like, beforehand, it didn't matter. It was just a super rare, silly drop that it was tradable. It had no use. And what my fear is, is, like, in the future, like, everything is going to be just more and more and more obtainable. It's, it's, my fear especially is Third Age. And having it become, in the next few years, as people are just like, oh, well, we already have all collection logs except for our Third Age. Can Jagex, can you please buff... You know, clue raids. Can you please buff this? Mm -hmm. Like, that's. I guess that's a little bit of my concern. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't. I don't share the opinion that like, just because it exists doesn't mean that somebody has to be able to complete it. Because anybody in the know knows that's probably never going to be the case. It's just, I think it's a little bit neurotic that some people will think that just because it's there, they have to be able to fill every single one of those slots, even all the the third age and whatnot. Because I think. Part of the fun is just getting as far as you can. And even now there are tools and websites to where you can cross compare people's relative progression in that. And mm -hmm. it'd be cool if there was like an official way of doing that too, Jagex side. 
I'm glad you think that. There's been a lot of guests I've had on the cast that just are like actually against having a collection log high scores or even just a simple number that's public that's officially public. Like that that's what I want. I just want to see in the high scores, you see your skills, you see the clue scrolls, you see the bosses, and you see your overall collection log number. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would just be simple and enough. I don't know. That would be cool. Because be... you could took you could take a look at two accounts, two max mains right next to each other, and they would, for all intensive purpose, all intensive purposes, look identical. But if one has like eleven hundred and fifty collection log slots, and the other one has like four hundred and ten, mm-hmm. that paints a very different picture. Yeah. No, I think I, I'm. I want that to be in the game, honestly. In... It just also just gives people something to do when you when you reach, like a lot of people aren't super into PVM or whatever. Maybe they max their account, they've done all the quests, and they don't think they have much lo- much else left to do in the game. That's something to do. That's going to take you forever. So <laughs> there's <laughs> never any end of the content. That's part of the that that's actually a downside though. That's like, I think why a lot of people want the collection log to feel like it's completable because having mm-hmm. something that's not completable ends up burning you out. Just like oh, well, this is an entirely pointless goal. It depends. It depends on the player. I feel like some people feel that though. Yeah, I I, I can understand both sides of it. I'm just of the opinion that not everything has to be fucking greened yeah. for you to be able to enjoy the process. The, there's uh, people want a comp cape, and I've been advocating instead of a comp cape, add a collection log book that upgrades every hundred collection logs. We've seen these suggestions on Reddit of like these upgraded collection logs that you can actually wield. And mm-hmm. I would fucking love that because one, it it does the opposite of a comp cape. Like a comp cape would encourage high level players to vote no to updates because that means they have to do that piece of content to keep their comp cape. Whereas a collection log book would actually encourage you to vote yes to updates because you'd want to hit that next milestone of, you know, 1200, 1300, mm-hmm. 1400 collection logs. And at the same time, you're also giving that incentive that like, hey, even though I know the collection log is not completable, at least this next hundred is completable and that's a workable goal you could hit. I don't know. I think that would be. Yeah, it'd kind of be like a like a raids 2K cape, but like people would actually care. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody even knows what the raids capes look like. (laughs) 14 people do. No. Uh, by it's, the way, the, the deeper you push into the collection log, it is implied that you have experienced more of the game. And that's also getting back to the main versus iron conversation. I also give big ups to the main account mode because partly because of the collection log in that Iron Man, unless you reach like your state in Iron Man or just a very deep Curtis like state where you're just like picking and choosing what you have left to do you don't touch unnecessary things and you don't go back to content that you don't really uh, have to be at anymore. Whereas in a main, if you want to make that collection log go up, you got to dabble in everything that there is to do. Yep. And you have to like learn the game inside and out. You probably don't have strong feelings on this, but I want to ask anyway. So TOB and TOA, you just have to do 2000 of any version of it and you get, Mm-hmm. the cape cms though you have to do cms instead of normal ch- instead of normal chambers do you think they should change that so you can just do 2000 normal chambers i would say you could make a little bit of an argument that 
the expected completion counts for TOB and TOA, like when will I be green logged in that content, maybe excluding pet, significantly before 2k, you go kind of dry at chambers, you're going to passively get that highest achievement. And for that reason, I think they're a little bit different. Whereas with challenge modes, you've probably completed the content long before that. And you're just specifically pushing for that accolade. Well, I would actually, on that argument, I would actually like turn it on its head and say, that's exactly the reason you should do CMs in the first place is because if you really care about green logging it, then you should be doing the most, mm. you know, point heavy raids. Yeah. So maybe that would just almost in inherently encourage you doing CMs anyway, because, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's never something I've had to worry about because I've never been so strapped for activities that I thought about yeah. grading two thousand times <laughs> needlessly. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is kind of a like a random question, and I'm gonna I'll be surprised if you have an answer. But who do you think is like the greatest old school RuneScape player right now? And the greatest RuneScape player. Continue that thought, please. Sorry, say that again. I said continue that thought okay. because I think I cut you off. No, so greatest OSRS player and there is no, like, I'm not going to throw any, like, extra stuff, like greatest PVMer, greatest PK, or greatest content creator or anything, but just greatest OSRS player. Is there is there a name that comes to mind when you think of that? Well, the, the popular answer, obviously, is Wooks, just in how innovative he's always been and the certain content that he's been the first to complete, like the Inferno and Solo TOB. Mm -hmm. Getting back to earlier, though, those in the know could make a very serious argument for Port Gazard, <laughs> given the accomplishments that he's had. There are also people who are lesser known that could probably do similar things, and I know... I don't know how long it's been since Kelvino's played the game, but I know that he paved the big paved the way for a lot of like inferno speedrun content that we see nowadays so like who's to say he wouldn't be number one if he still actively played i don't know it's just kind of hard to cross compare because we're talking about people and their performance and activities that they create for themselves to stretch their own boundaries mm -hmm. and it just gets a little bit muddy at a certain point i would probably but say i would say yeah i would say probably wooks if i just that's had to what, give a simple answer the most impactful player yeah in terms of accomplishments I'm thinking Wooks as well, just overall, even though absolutely I'm not dogmatic about him being the greatest PVMer still. I think that's yeah, really I don't silly. Yeah, I don't think he would ever call himself that. He's well, just... he wouldn't have even called himself when he was. But like yeah. <laughs> the, pe the people that think that he's still the greatest PVMer, I'm like... What? Like, have you like have you seen the have you seen noob type for example? That dude's wild. <laughs> that dude's insane. He just runs six hundred TOAs like they're cake. Yeah, it just Wooks has just always had the ability to dissect a piece of content and understand the game engine so thoroughly that he's always just on the forefront of these types of methods. Yeah, I remember when. Chambers came out and he just had a comprehensive Chambers guide finished in like three weeks. <laughs> like people didn't Jesus. think it was soloable content. It wasn't intended to be soloable content. And he had a solo guide in like three weeks time. The dude is just brilliant. His mind just works differently. He's like, 
Yeah, we're just basically blessed to have him even care about RuneScape at all. Because I know his, his bouts with the game become shorter and shorter when he comes yeah. back for new content releases. But it's yeah. good to still have him coming around at all. It is cool. Um, by the way, just back to noob type. That did you know that that player has currently, I believe, even he might not anymore. But he posted a tweet. He had the world record of all four awakened bosses all at the same time. Oh yeah, that is that's dis- pretty cool. That's disgusting. Like that. Like he's one of the greatest PVMers currently. Like he's a, he's among the skill level of Portgazard in my opinion. Just like wild. The only time I ever had anything like that is I was uh, I was rank one Muspa for most of the day of release. <laughs> a little bit different. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure at some point in time I probably had the record because like one of the first ten kills I did was Tebow only before anybody knew the way to kill Muspa. Mm. And I just got like this really anomalous, like fantastic kill that I'm sure at the time I got, it was probably the world record for like half an hour. (laughs) I just didn't know there was a leaderboard that said that. Oh, okay. Well, this isn't, I guess, necessarily speed run. Although when Fasani's came out, I was rank one at the end of the day for, for overall boss kills. Cause I actually just grinded it for like 18 hours straight and I was just addicted. But Pretty sure I was I was very close to having um, one of the top uh, times as well. That it's actually crazy how fast Fasani's nightmare has gotten, because all it is oh, yeah. is just don't miss ticks mm-hmm. and just do the efficient way. But yeah, like you can. I thought I had a super super fast kill, and I can literally shave a minute off of it. I'm like Jesus Christ, that's insane. Yeah, but between the content coming out and the way we and what we have now, like we have the shadow staff now we have the void waker now things that see use in that boss that have just been game changers okay uh this is i'm i'm unfamiliar with this but kind of blue asks who killed you on that tob maze (laughs) that's a running joke from one hardcore i had that uh (laughs) perished on the sodded seg maze because the uh our maze runner hit up an l movement but like did so he he pizzaed when he should have french fried or vice versa and just like l movement over <laughs> exclusively wrong tiles mm. and it was a it was a four-man tob and i was already on like a somewhat of a handicapped character so i was i was probably sad at like 72 or 73 hp just like a little bit below a green bar but like just those two or three ticks of four-man tob explosions just that that kid that's ultimately what killed my character but I did react in time, but I had my teleport in the wrong inventory slot. And then I recognized that, and then I dragged it. <laughs> and I was also using a new mouse, which I was uncomfortable with. <sighs> so it was like a perfect storm of every possible thing going wrong, <laughs> all inside of like two or three game ticks that resulted in me dying. Oh, God. That's gonna... But that is the story behind that. As far as who it was, though, it was Fat Greasy Guy. <laughs> He was the maze runner, but it wasn't his fault. No, it, was, it was all his fault. A, a good hardcore TOBer needs to be able to survive regardless of what your teammates do. Yeah. God damn it, fat greasy guy. <laughs> okay, Rads asks best kitten names you didn't give the little fella. Oh, I would struggle to even remember them. I, I probably thought of like two or three hundred in the, uh, <laughs> the long process that was <laughs> that underwent and finally ending up on one. What is it? 
Oh, as far as his actual name yeah, is yeah, Aries yeah. now, but that was not my choice. Aries, really? Yes. That's my that's my niece's name. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is it so? Oh, is it spelled with just A R E S or A R I? Yeah, like the god. Okay, because my and his personality, is like, admittedly, is kind of is kind of bang on with that. But I just it wasn't my choice of name. Interesting. Yeah, because Ares is a is a guy god, right? Yes, he is a uh, the god of war. But so too is Athena, and Ares, in terms of like the Greek mindset, was more of like a. More so the god of like a brutish, mindless warfare, as whereas Athena was more about like wisdom and like tactics and stuff like that. Mm. Interesting. Um Okay. So we were talking earlier, I, I mentioned something about like your uh your spirituality, if you're spiritual or not. D- do you um do you like are like are you religious at all? Like I know that's like pretty much in the same vein of anything, but no, I never have been, and nobody in my family ever really was. Apart from like my grandparents, uh, maternal grandparents at least went to church, but that was kind of just like the expectation of the era in which they were born, in the location that they were. But no, nobody in my extended family or myself ever was. So you moved. But to... that being said, I do say I have the utmost appreciation for just about every every one of them out there okay you said you moved to florida and the base after dark and uh now you're just in like a very religious spot and probably (laughs) just like how how is that moving from maine to florida and i know obviously you spend most days inside probably but is it a weird it's it's a very different culture like, yeah. it's the same, but it's very different. It's kind of hard to batten it down to exactly what is different, but the vibe is entirely, or at least was entirely unfamiliar, I would say. It's kind of weird that things can be so different just from one place to another inside of what is technically the same society. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, here, okay, so let me ask you this. Like, Well, first of all, you're in... <laughs> You're in Florida, so you probably have a bunch of the mag. Is is the MAGA hat thing like a, as big of a thing as we see in the news? I've never lived in Florida, but it seems I like everyone. I can't say that I've Florida. ever seen one out in the wild. Honestly, okay. I, I literally cannot say. Oh, that's funny. But especially um, like my my part of Florida would be the place, but like still, I have not seen them. It's funny because like I moved from Alabama to Oregon, back to Oregon. I grew up in Oregon, and it's very liberal here. And yes. in Alabama is a complete opposite. And so I did, yeah, yeah like I, I'd be at a, like a Walmart and people are wearing their MAGA hats, which I thought was funny. Like here, like you would get flamed basically if you, mm-hmm. but there you're praised if you have it. Yeah. It's also, I would in, say it's probably similar in where I came from is for, in terms of like the expectation mm. uh, culturally, especially among the youth, but down here it's the opposite expectation. So before you met your girlfriend, did you ever use dating apps? I have in the past, but they're never something that I enjoyed or really even used in the same way that other people did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the dating app experience from Alabama to Oregon is Ugh. so crazy. Such a difference. Such a difference. I would imagine so, yeah. yeah. It's very interesting. 
<laughs> I'm not going to go into have a lifted truck. Don't bother. <laughs> no, it's like, it was literally, I saw this. I'm not even kidding. Like probably 10% of the time you see a profile. It's like, if you've been vaccinated, swipe left. Like you're not interested. <laughs> yeah. It's the, the inverse in the other spot too. Like it's if, the exact like inverse. If you, have, yep. if you have any favorable opinions of anything remotely right of center, then leave. <laughs> Oh my God! Do you believe in free will? I would say so. Yeah. To what extent? I'm not entirely sure, but I would say so. Mm. But I think it does ultimately come down to like, unless you are insane, then your free will will largely be in line with like societal expectations and what you think is going to benefit you the most, mm. rather than things that would be utterly chaotic yeah that's always a really fascinating like if it's if it's my free will to cut my own hand off i'm probably still not gonna because that would be that would be spiting my own body yeah it so i've been like recently uh, probably over like the past couple months been getting into like meditation and stuff which i always thought Mm -hmm. was I, i never understood meditation i just thought it was always like just something like hippies do just for fun or whatever just yeah. to like be calm, but it's, it's really fascinating because the more I've like done it, the more I'm starting to realize like the loss of your identity with self, like your, your own ego, it kind of dissolves mm-hmm. mildly when you first start getting into it. Cause you just realize like all of your senses it's, it's really like when you pay close enough attention, you're just noticing you have five senses that you can pinpoint directly when you're focused on it and then you just have ideas sprouting in your mind mm-hmm. and that's really the extent of your entire experience and it's like whoa where like it's really fascinating so the more i think about because i grew up just completely taking free will for granted it's just like everyone has free will obviously and you know people make i had a dualist view on like most of life just like you're either a good person or you're a bad person and it's your complete it is your fault or it's like it's completely up to you in any circumstance um even though you're gonna have you know external influences it's it's ultimately up to you but the more i've like mm-hmm. grown up i'm like huh i wonder how much freedom we really have especially when you start paying attention and realize like all of your thoughts and desires and passions really aren't really coming from you necessarily they're just kind of springing up into your consciousness yeah there's nature and there's nurture bad people can do good things good people can do bad things i've i've always been a very big advocate though of people just having at least some span of time in their life just to be exclusively with themselves and get to know themselves as best they can for probably longer a period of time than most people would think that it takes for that to happen because it's not something you can just like set aside a month of not being in a relationship or something and just like fully understand yourself. It takes a very long time. And then you can use your understanding of yourself and how you fit into the world as a springboard to more aptly relate to other people and just be a more well-rounded person. Yeah. I uh, So you spent, uh, so you, you just recently started into like a relationship, but how many years were you single? It would depend how you define it, I would say. I guess <laughs> I having like a, a very long time by most people's uh, 
by most people's definitions, quite a long time. But that's not to say that I was like without what many others would consider to be some such thing. <laughs> okay. Did you, were you, do you think that time was valuable for you? Oh yeah, massively so. That's part of what I wish on many other people, even though it is uncomfortable for some. I just don't know why, like, a lot of people assume that, like, I had never met a girl in my entire life. <laughs> Could not be farther from the truth. I don't, yeah, I, I wouldn't have. Been. I talked about that in the base podcast, but was withholding very much because I'd rather not go into it. I mean, when you're as jacked as you were, I, it's like you kind of, it's it's almost like it comes with the territory. Like, you, you, you're inevitably going out and, you know, meeting people because it's just. I think a lot of people would benefit from a similar abundance of opportunity to realize that it's not something that your whole well-being hinges on. That's something that I feel like would help a lot of people, probably including myself. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's it, just, you want what you don't have and you just start to fixate on that one thing, thinking it's going to solve all your problems, but no, uh, all your problems have to be solved before that can even happen in large part. And how do you, how are you able to, without experiencing it able to understand that you don't ultimately desire that one thing it's it, most of it obviously comes down to like men thinking they need a relationship to be happy or men thinking they need female attention mm -hmm. but how do you come to a conclusion without having experienced that to understand that you didn't want it in the first place i think that gets back to what I said about experiencing, truly experiencing yourself in a solitary fashion and understanding what makes you tick and what you desire and coming to the understanding that if that's all you've got and it's all you'll ever have, that not necessarily say that's enough, but like to be content with what you have and be comfortable with that and then be willing to accept more because that more will usually be that one missing piece that you've been wanting. Interesting. A lot of people put the cart before the horse and they think that if I, I need to get this one thing and then I'm going to fix my problems or having this one thing is going to in and of itself fix my problems. But that's not the way things work. Okay. So, okay, let me ask you this. Do you think your personality has changed since you were 20 compared to now? Oh, big time, yeah. I think... You're doing something wrong in your 20s if you're not looking back at you from last year and just thinking you're a knucklehead. <laughs> have, has, there, has there been anything that you have lost personality-wise that you kind of actually wish you would have maintained since you're like your 20s? I think I'm a little bit more of a fuddy-duddy now, for better or for worse, in terms of like not wanting to be as quite as adventurous or not wanting to go out as much as I used to. But I think that also does probably harken back to that same topic of like, when I was more willing to go out, what was I looking for? Probably like the relationship type things. And just, you kind of learn to stop going and looking for that. <laughs> I would say. That's so, okay. So there's seen, this seems to be a common problem among a lot of people that do feel alone or isolated or like, feeling like they're not living their life to the fullest. I feel like people, it's the same thing with relationships where it's like you, you almost have this aching desire because either society's telling you, or you feel this something inside is pulling you to like do more with your life or like live mm -hmm. more or be more adventurous. And you don't because you don't feel like that's ultimately you in a sense, but it eats you up and it becomes it, 
for a lot of people, they become neurotic because they think they are like having unfulfilled desires. Do you think that's ultimately the case? Or do you think it's just the fact that they have this pressure from society to be more like adventurous and stuff? I think it is the human condition to want certain things like, you know, beyond food, water, and shelter. Like you want to have a family or at least most people do. And you can feel like you are lacking when you don't have that thing. But ultimately it does come down to you being okay with who you are to the extent that nobody else, nobody else's opinion or thoughts of who you are or what you have or don't have can change that. And in that comfort, you will miss the things you don't have a little bit less, or you'll, you'll yearn less for things that you don't have and understand that if you want to be a proponent of like destiny or something, that if you deserve to have them or they're the right thing for you, that they will eventually come to pass. Hmm. And I think that's part of, that's part of why I've had any degree of success in my current relationship is because it was probably the only one in my life that did not start out under that pretense. Mm. And I think that's a, a mistake that a lot of people make is they're like, I am in the market. Anybody I meet is going to be a candidate. And if you are not, then you are out of my life. Whereas like in my own relationship, we were friends for a very long time. And like, there's nothing that really could have changed that aspect. And then just over time, it evolved into what it is now. I think you have to be willing to, and I think people who have like female friends or sisters or like female cousins they're close with are benefited in seeing the other sex through a completely different lens and like getting comfortable with conversing and just existing in the same space as a woman without their brain just immediately going to like relationship prospect. Yeah. Cause that is, that is something that people can read on you. They can smell it a mile away and it's super ick for a lot of people. If they feel like you want nothing to do with them outside of that capacity. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. That, Yeah. So let me ask you this. Do you think love is just a bunch of brain chemicals or do you think there's something transcendent about it? I think it's kind of what you said in that like it is just an inherent desire and perhaps that emotion is just like our biological mechanism of fulfilling that desire in that it, like it puts us in this reproductive position if you want to be like just heartlessly biological about it <laughs> is there like is it bad to be heartless about a lot of these things and take everything very rationally or is it is it better to live delusionally or is it better to uh and i'm not saying delusional I, in a bad sense but just to... i think one can do both they they can accept the black and white of why things are the way they are but then appreciate it in like a higher sort of way a, a more divine sort of way I don't think it has to be mutually exclusive. It's it's just so fascinating, like the world we live in and like how many like really beautiful things there are. And like, we obviously are just translating that into our brain that it's beautiful. It's like, it's not objectively beautiful or anything, but mm -hmm. just some of the things we see. And then you just think like, what is the point of it all? Like, what is like the whole purpose of being here? And like you said, like you, your idea is just live, like live in love probably. But like, I don't know. It makes me think because I've definitely become a lot more rational over the years. 
And it's not like that uh, has or hasn't, you know, it's like that isn't any reason that my quality of life has necessarily like gotten better or worse, just being Mm -hmm. a little bit more objective about reality. But it makes me definitely like, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm just kind of going on my own little ramble right here, but it's like, what is like the deeper meaning behind all of this? Like of just being alive. Like, I feel like there always has to be. And so that's what like, at least that's besides, you know, religion, religion in my early years, giving me, you know, a lot of purpose. Now it's like, I feel like life in general, like there's so much mystery and so much like unanswered questions that like, that's what, at least in my head, gives me purpose. I think spirituality and living in that sort of way and artificially induced bouts of spiritual thinking from like psychedelics and whatnot do kind of serve both purposes in that they they make you take a deeper look under the hood and see the complexity of all that is. But at the same time, they more clearly paint all of the similarities and just like the simplicity of those same things so it's you're coming at it from both ends yeah wait have you done have you personally done psychedelics in my uh in my college days <laughs> i did everything you could expect a college person to do did you have any like profound experiences no actually i'm like the most boring person when it comes to uh <laughs> that sort of thing in that i really? did it to such an extent that I kind of, I reached the finish line and now they don't do anything for me because I've already thought every thought that there is to be thought in that brain state a million times over and there's just nothing left. There's no more searching to be done. And I attribute that largely to, not largely, but at least partially to why I am so comfortable with myself. Okay, so, well, I'm going to push back a little bit on the brain state. I don't think it's one brain state. I think... I think there's infinite brain possibilities. I feel like it's uh, it's slightly closed-minded to think you've experienced it all, even though I don't think you're really saying that you've experienced it all, but you've experienced what you can experience maybe with a certain substance or whatever. I, I oh think- no, I <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to embellish the topic, but like when I say that I would indulge in that sort of thing, there was a period of my life where like that is all that I would do, and like. <laughs> Most people who have a different opinion probably did not ride quite so hard as I did so, <laughs> so what, as to be having that conversation. Well, if am I able to press on this? Are you okay sure. with that? So what got what ultimately stopped your desire to do it? Basically when it stopped doing anything and I just felt like every everything I did was just a repeat of what I had done in the past. It's like, okay, I... I have thought all of these thoughts and to do this more is just is just pointless and a waste of my time and money. Interesting. So I, I can't say that's a common opinion that I've heard other people have. I've not yeah, I've, I haven't heard I that also much. think a lot of those people have not quite done as much as I ever did. Did you have any really negative experiences? No. Really? I knew people who did. Like I, I had one person handle his acid worse than I've ever seen anybody handle a drug in my life and have to be hospitalized because he was just fucking freaking out. But yeah. myself, I am always very good at keeping a uh, a positive disposition and understanding that 
even if you do feel some negative sort of way, not to like freak out about that because there's nothing, A, there's nothing you can do and B, like oftentimes that's, those are the important thoughts to be had. So uh, was your friend, by the way, that was hospitalized, was he, by any chance, do you know, was he religious? No. He was of, like, I believe he grew up in the South. Mm -hmm. And maybe you could say that his family, he, he was, he kind of had one of those like innocent two and a half child, like dog, perfect household type things. I feel like he had experienced a lot less overall negativity in his life up until that point. And maybe that is why it hit him quite so hard as it did. And uh, so this, I, I have no idea about the brain. Like there's, there's so much that goes on, especially under like psychedelic experiences, but at least in my own personal experiences, like I had a lot of very beautiful trips that were just extremely profound and things that I just still to this day, I am just in complete shock, even though I can barely even remember them fully, obviously it's like there's something there, but then I've had very, very negative experiences. And the, the weird thing about those negative experiences is it like, it brings up my unconscious and it feels like everything's very religious. It's like this idea of mm -hmm. having almost lived in a fantasy and having that crumble in a sense. Like it's hard to describe. That, that is the thing that is the main thing that does it to most people is that they will. It's not a lack of enjoyment of the time that they spend in that brain state. It's that they don't want for it to end and they are trying to fight the come down from it. And that is a fruitless endeavor trying to fight it because you have to come down the the state that you're in i consider that to be a borrowed brain state that information and the way that you're feeling that is not for you you are simply like peering into the window of what you see at that time you cannot take anything from inside the house of the window that you're peering in and the lessons you learn are basically incommunicable and to try to communicate what you think that you thought or the profound lessons you've learned is just going to stress you out more like at a certain point you just have to accept it for what it is be like that was a good time i'm going to try to do the best i can to implement these spiritual thoughts into my into my regular life but beyond that it's out of my control <laughs> it's so fascinating okay have, have did you ever do mushrooms or did you ever do dmt dmt no mushrooms yes okay DMT, uh, I've, I've only ever done mushrooms psychedelically, like the, that's, and I guess weed, if you consider that psychoactive or psychedelic, but like. I think some argue that it is, if used in a very different way than most people do it. I think there are arguments that if people do indulge in weed, that it is supposed to be used kind of like binge drinking, like you abstain for like two weeks and then you just get like plastered on a weekend. <laughs> And that is that is when your brain will be the most active as opposed to like the dawn to dusk, do nothing, lack of productivity type of smoking. Mm. OK, well, were you ever a pothead? Like, did you ever chronically smoke weed? Also, around that same time, I did definitely have periods of that. But that is also another thing that I, I learned to like stay away from because it was no good for me yeah that was me as well for different reasons not that i learned everything but more like just like this is not a productive yeah. use of my life <laughs> and i think a lot of people who use heavily do ultimately come to that same epiphany at some age yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a very responsible thing to do to realize that something can be good but too much of a good thing can be bad yeah 
it's all it's funny like because you can't ever like exactly convince or try to push anybody like away from certain like some people just need the experience like some people mm-hmm. need to experience it and I you agree. need to allow them to have that freedom and of experience but most people will i feel like eventually come to their own conclusion like maybe doing this all the time is probably not the <laughs> best thing i do i like there's a very small percentage of people that can be uh especially those in like creative career fields that can be benefited by it. But I think 99.99% of people that are like, Oh, it doesn't affect me. It's like, well, have you tried abstaining for a little while to see what you're like when you're not using it? Because, and a lot of people that think that it isn't of detriment or there are no withdrawals. Like you have never, you have never used anywhere remotely as much as the people who are giving these kinds of warnings. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, I don't know. I I have a bunch of like theories and stuff. Like just of course nothing's scientifically backed whatsoever, but just theories on my own like psychedelic adventures that I had cuz I definitely did it a lot at least for like a good span of I don't know around like 6 months or so. 7 months, but yeah. I'm I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, if all the world's politicians could just like get high, then they'd learn their lesson. I don't think that. I don't think that my second trip, that's, necessarily... that's all I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my second trip. I was like, holy shit, everyone needs to do this. Yeah, yeah like I said earlier, it is, a, it is a borrowed brain state, and everybody's brain state is usually pretty similar when they do it, but like, Where that, is it that being is not borrowed something from? to be taken back. I don't know. That's like, that's like the ultimate question of, of for me, because I'm like, you, you're borrowing quote unquote this brain state but where the hell is it coming from and why is it so profound and also if you've ever like when i when i mean profound i mean like that sense of like never-ending unconditional love that you can feel Mm -hmm. in those states where it's like where the hell is this coming from like how how do you even like how is this even conceivable right now? And of course, in sober mind, in my sober mind right now, like I can't actually remember it. And I'm like, oh, maybe that was just me, like experiencing a little bit of euphoria, and I'm just delusional. But it, in the moment, it's not that at all. You feel very clear minded, and you mm-hmm. feel like it's this is ultimately. It, I don't know. It gives you a sense of peace. And then you come back to reality, and you're like, I'm a fucking drug addict. <laughs> like I have problems, mm-hmm. and then you just go back to living normally. But I think part of that hope I have is like, there's something more to this. And that borrowed brain state is from something divine that we can't understand, nor should well, we. There be are able perfectly, to perfectly valid theories that most all religions, at least Abrahamic, Abrahamic religions do stem back from like prehistoric experiences with these types of things. And that religions were founded kind of as a think of it like a translation for what I said to be incommunicable because you cannot convey Mm. these thoughts to each other, but you can try to steer people along a certain lifestyle that you learned about in this particular brain state that is like appropriate for a human being to have. And they all end up being very similar across any religion. How much do you know about Mormonism? Very little, I would say. Okay, because there was just a video that came out by Johnny Harris. I don't know if you know who that is, but he just he he grew up Mormon and he's like a big like YouTuber now. He's got like over four million subscribers, but 
he just made this video talking to kind of more about the history of like Joseph Smith and stuff, who was the founder. And I swear, man, I am like convinced that Joseph Smith was just was schizophrenic or had. And I, I don't mean that necessarily like in a bad way. It's it's not inherently negative. It's just the fact that like back then, like people didn't know what psychosis was or mania. So you mean to say that, that what he was preaching and the experiences that he said to have with, I don't know if it was God or Jesus, he yeah. thought he was being 100% real with these oh, people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He wasn't yeah. trying to deceive them or be like a cult leader. Oh, yeah. I don't think that at all. I think, I, I think what it is and... This is partly because of my own psychotic, you know, mild psychotic break that I believe I had was like the these delusions of grandeur that you can experience briefly in this like mixing reality and fantasy. And so mm-hmm. when you're living in the early 1800s and there's no such thing as the internet or understanding what the fuck's going on in your brain and you become, you know, mildly or strongly schizophrenic or psychotic, you will literally be fully convinced that you're a prophet or you're whatever or you're called of divine origin mm-hmm. to do something and you carry it on and then if you do get followers because you're so convinced and people were just you know back then are very religiously prone because there's not really much science or you know it's just you're living on a farm you know it's like somebody has some yeah. really beautiful vision of like you're gonna be a god one day and it's like oh well, that sounds nice to believe in and then as soon as you get followers then it's like Oh shit. So if you are that psychotic individual, you're thinking I'm actually getting followers. Like this is literally proof that I've been mandated mm-hmm. by divine origin to carry out this. Or calling. if for whatever reason you somehow came to, you wouldn't want to like rug pull. Cause you're like, look at the position I'm in. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's so, it's so fascinating to me. And I do it. I actually believe that there's like truth in all religion, but the, part I have a problem with is just the dogmatic views that can't be changed or altered. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. That's just something I, I think about a lot. I think partly because I firsthand experienced a little bit of what I could imagine, you know, yeah, the, psychosis. the foremost person that I would point anybody who likes these sorts of, uh, types of conversations to is a, uh, a scholar by the name of Joseph Campbell, who many will be familiar with, but many not, mm. who uh, basically for all time was the foremost expert on mythology and religion and fairy tales and how they related to one another from every culture in the world, boiling them down, cross-comparing them, understanding what they truly meant to the culture at the time. And he, in his scholarly work, he was also like a college professor and author and all that. He uh, came up with something that he ultimately deemed the monomyth, which is like a basically the fundamental plot of just about every story and tale that we have boils down to these few certain elements. And you can look for them and basically find them in every single one of those stories. And that all of the stories, when you boil them down across every religion and culture and whatnot, are all very, very similar to each other and then it harkens back to like this is just something that we as humans are always going to gravitate towards no matter what because the the proof is just it's just undeniable that is so crazy it does it stem from the fear of death ultimately 
I would say sometimes yes and sometimes no. Some cultures are very averse to death and they consider it to be like a tragic thing, whereas others absolutely celebrate it and like not necessarily look forward to it, but are like very okay with it being a thing. Hmm. Cause then it's like, if that is the case, you know, assuming it is the case that that's part of why these beliefs and stories come about is because of the fear of death. It's like, what if there was no more death? Like what if, what if death is solved? Then we come out with another problems and other stories, <laughs> pretty much. I don't think the story well, Tolkien, Tolkien in Lord of the Rings, the uh, the society from which Aragorn is derived, the Numenorians, they were they were humans basically, but they were humans who were like enormous in stature and gifted and intelligent, and they had lifespans of like nine hundred years, but. It was a double-edged sword that because they lived so long, as opposed to like 70 or 80 years like a traditional human, they're like, if we can live for 900, why is it fair that the elves get to live forever? So like they ultimately spited themselves because they were given more, but they thought that they had less, if that makes mm. any sort of sense. Interesting. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Do you think at some point in like the near future, like, well, here's the, here's the problem with humanity right now. It's like, we're already basically gods. Like we have the power of gods, but we are just like, just still apes. <laughs> at least what our ancestors would consider the power yeah. of gods. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, we're still in medieval ages in like a thousand years from now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, I just find it. I find it fascinating that we're we literally live on the the cutting edge of like the future, just nonstop, and we have no idea what's going to happen. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, see, and see you can't. It's one out. of those things where you can learn from history, but what if you're presented with something that has never historically happened or even come close to happening? It's it's uncharted territory. It's crazy. Okay. Um, We've covered all topics, so uh, that I feel like we can start wrapping up on. Eh? Yeah, let's let's start. <laughs> well, we got some good meat out of the end of it. <laughs> yeah, we did. That was the real beef right there. The the bottom of the peanut butter jar still had some something to spread. <laughs> okay, well here I'll ask you two questions. One will be the shoutouts. That'll be the second one. But first is where do you see yourself in? Where do you see yourself? Let's see. In two years from now. Two years from now, I mean, physically at a different location, but probably doing the exact same thing. I should. Oh, you want to move? You want well, to I will be that? moving like oh. relatively soon, probably in the next couple of months, I would say. To where? Because where I am was never intended to be like a like a permanent thing, at least at least as far as the house. Like I might mm -hmm. be in a similar area, but I'm not sure. Are you able to say where you're going to move? Is that private? No, because I don't know. I, okay. I tend to take these things like very in the moment, which with the current housing and rental market is not necessarily the play, but it's kind of what yeah. I've always done. Do you want to stay in Florida? I wouldn't mind, but I'm open to any number of things. Okay. Because the different parts of Florida are very different from even from other parts of Florida. <laughs> you should move to Oregon beautiful here i have the farthest west i've ever been is uh chicago and aside wow. from that it was uh columbus 
You should you should come over here. But yeah, never been out there. Someday I will <laughs> determine if it's something I like. Yeah. But I'm quite partial to to New England myself in terms of like places that I think are the tippy top. I see. And by New England, I mean not Massachusetts or Rhode Island mm. or New Hampshire. <laughs> okay. What, really what else? Just Maine and Vermont. Okay. What else do you want out of the two years? So you're moving. You still want to be doing the same streaming stuff. Is there any other exciting things that you've been that lie in your future? I think, think? If, if I could be doing even ballpark how I am right now, like even if things were to get like a little bit worse from the way they have been the past couple of months, I'd still be doing quite all right. So if I, if in some future I could be doing better than I'm doing right now, I'd be very okay with that. That's cool. That's a great position to be at. I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy to see how much, uh, you know, your, your consistency. I know you, I think like a, I don't know, a year and a half ago or something, you definitely did take a break, but ever since you came back, you've been very consistent and that goes to show like your numbers and just the people that, you know, are in your community. It just goes to show like you're putting in the consistent hours and showing up. And I think that like speaks volumes. So keep it up. You deserve your success. Yeah, that's part of it with the streaming game is popularity begets popularity to a mm-hmm. certain extent. So you just got to put some time in the game ultimately. Yeah. Cool, cool. Okay, I'm going to ask three shout outs now. Ooh, if we could make it four, then I would shout out all my group Iron Man teammates. We'll, we'll, we'll make uh, it four. Mammal, Foe, <laughs> Curtis, and Denise. <laughs> awesome. Because I got nobody else to shout out, I would say. <laughs> okay. Fuck everyone else. No. No, that's, I think that's uh, appropriate. Farmers are definitely, far, farmers for life. Like, that's just. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, ultimately, we, we're in this together and we're having a good time. But, like, as I said earlier, my channel is half the age of theirs. Their follower counts are accordingly much bigger than mine because their channel is twice as old. And I have benefited from the gravity of their presence in the category. And for that, I'm extremely thankful. Even that's if they, awesome. they did not like intend to throw me a bone in that way, that's still the circumstance we're in. That's cool to acknowledge that as well. Okay. Uh, Connor, I've enjoyed this conversation. This is really nice. This is cathartic for me in a sense. Yes, me too, my so. dude. It's been uh, fun. Yeah, it has. So guys listening down in the description, Roydy's Twitch and Twitter will be down there. I, I'm just... Uh, maybe our third appearance, Roydy will have started a YouTube. Maybe fourth appearance, we'll see about that. But one sure day you'll gonna, keep asking. One day there's going to be a link down there to link is YouTube. So, but is is that fine for right now? Twitch and Twitter. Yeah, that's totally okay. That's all I got. Okay. Cool, cool. All right, guys. Uh, next Tuesday we're going to be having Curtis, aka MMORPG, on the cast, and just a couple days after that we'll be having Mod Bruno on. So two big exciting guests. And Sweet. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to both conversations. Well, so, if you've listened up to this point, thank you, and I will. Uh, I'll see y'all in the chat, I suppose. Hell yeah, guys, go follow Roydy down uh, on his Twitch. Go enjoy some farmers content, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace. Bye bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.